Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The 19th edition of the 24 Hours of Dubai and we hit the end of another hour. It's a crucial one too because we have now completed 12 hours of this year's Hankook Dubai 24 hours. And just purely from a mental point of view, the teams will be thinking, OK, we're really starting to break down this race now uh, with the same distance still to go as we've already covered. And a fine time as well here on the Radio Show Limited network of channels to talk you through the current standings after 292 laps. Marcus Winkelhock leads the motor race for East Talent Racing Team and their Audi R8 LMS GT3 Evo 2. So car 54 from the Austrian team with German Marcus Winkelhock now at the wheel leads by 17 and a bit seconds over Victor Scheitar's 83 Proton Uber Competition Porsche. Then the Get Speed Mercedes of Anthony Bartone, car number nine for a fellow German outfit, running third ahead of the Century Motorsport BMW, which currently leads GT3 Pro-Am. That's in the hands of Jack Barlow and their BMW M4. Attempto Racing's Audi, number 99, is in fifth for Ricardo Feller. Then it's the second of the century BMWs for Chris Salkeld, running sixth, car 14. Salasin by Cox Racing's Dennis Retterer in the number 48 Porsche is in seventh. And in eighth place, the 26 Santalock Junior team, the sister car, remember, started from pole position, but sadly no longer runs car number 18. So all the, the eggs at Santalock in the 26 basket, and that's Matteo Marafina currently at the wheel of that car. Ninth place for Manumari Energy by Ebi Motors and Sabino Di Castro for number 95 Porsche. Ahead of Pierre Kleinubing in the heart of racing by SPS Mercedes. We're going back to code 60, so more information on that in a moment. But it's an incident at turn 7, we can tell you, at this point in time. Car 27 of the US then in 10th place. Ahead of Car Collection Motorsports Porsche for Mark Valavane. Valavine and number 96 is 11th. Scott Noble in the 50 Uber Motorsport Porsche 12th ahead of Max Lynn in the Team Parker Bentley Continental number 31. Maybe a dip in speed for that car recently. Hassartes number 21 Audi for Matthew Detree is 14th. Luke Broikers for Red Camel Jordans.nl remains the Porsche 992 class leader. That's car number 909. And the MRS GT Racing Crew for GT3 AM category running in 16th place for James Winslow, number 17. On to the third slate of the current standings where we find the second place 992 Cup car, but leading the 992 AMs is the QM MF by HRT Porsche. And it is Ghanim Al Ali at the wheel of the 931. Then Tora Verdi's GTX class leading Ginetta G56 Cup car for Mike Simpson, number 795 is 18th. Fidel Leib in the K Kramer Racing Porsche is 19th, that's number 936, ahead of Seb Lajou's example by Duvo Racing, so a French Luxembourg combination there. Car 908 is in 20th. Redant or Redant Racing for the Redant family, Yannick and Ayrton, although it is Philippe. Uh, Gulinks, who is driving the car currently, car number 903 21st, ahead of Nick Johnson 907 for RP Racing. Artur Quist 
in the Razoon More Than Racing GTX KTM is second in category and 23rd overall ahead of the CP Racing Mercedes, which very recently went into the garage for extensive repairs or trying to diagnose an issue after Darren Law brought that in from, well, what was better than 24th, but that's where it sits currently. Then the SMP Racing Porsche number 937 is in 25th, ahead of the HRT Performance Porsche number 929 of Holger Harmson. Rabdan by Fulgenzi's 992 Am Cup car is in 27th, that's number 971, ahead of the Fac Autotech, the better of the two cars from Switzerland for Uppe van Eindhoven number 962, ahead of Martin Raginger in the 988 Neuhofer Rennsport by MRS GT Porsche. Team Captain America by Baz Kooten next on the list in 30th position. That's 925, another Porsche Cup car. These are all 992 spec cars, in fact. NKPP Racing by Baz Kooten Racing is 31st. And Holmgard Motorsport number 902 is 32nd. Yet another 992 spec Cup car is 33rd. That's the 901 Pro Sport Racing car of Stephen Pallet. Then a GTX Vortex V8, the 2.0. So Lionel Amrush, a long-time runner with Vortex. Car 701 is 34th. Continental Racing by TTR GT4. That's a class leader. The Toyota uh, GR Supra 496 is... Just confirm that for you. Out front in GT4. Yes, confirmed. And uh, Mikhail Lob Loboda has just brought that car in. 438, the AG... MC Racing Team by Simpson Motorsport. So second place in GT4, the BMW M4 number 438 is 36th overall. Ahead of the HRT Performance 992 AM Porsche number 930. Techs Troubled 961 is 38th. And then the TCE slash TCR race leader remains the AC Motorsport Audi RS3 number 188 of Paul uh, Celias, there are six drivers allocated to that car and Celias has done a fair bit of work so far. 41st position the 227 SRS Team Zorg Rennsport Porsche Cayman then a Century Motorsport BMW M4 from GT4 for Piers Johnson number 429 it's the 278 CWS Engineering Genetta G55 for Thomas Holland next up 43rd and then we're into the troubled cars because the number 6 heavily delayed the Racing 1 Ferrari earlier on in the piece Stefan Gurig last to drive that car but a major door issue troubled it in the opening hour Stefano Daste we've just heard chatting to Chris in the Lotus which came in with the with a full collapse on the front left corner with the suspension heavily damaged on that little Lotus Elise and the reason why the Elise is here rather than the Exige brilliantly explained by Stefano Axel Jeffries 76 McLaren we last saw that stopped on the main straight I'm not sure we've seen it since it was towed into pit road Mark Griffith, a real entertaining character, telling stories earlier on. 277 CWS Engineering, the second of their Genetta's 47th. Herbert Motorsport with a big off when Robert Renauer was uh, in the thick of his stint. But sadly, that car into retirement. Mulner is still going, despite everything being thrown at them. Generally all surrounding the same problem. But by Keanu Al-Azari, the latest driver in the 921 Mulner Motorsport car, number 49. MRS GT Racing's Porsche for anti-Ramo is 50th. The Dragon Racing number 88 Ferrari has been 51st for quite some time. And then 
proper retirements. The Grove Racing Mercedes, Phil Keane was the last to drive that, but we haven't seen it since. It retired many, many hours ago, as did the Santa Lock Junior Audi, the SRS Team Zorg Sports Porsche, which clattered the barrier on the exit of Turn 9. And Leipzig Motorsports Lamborghini wasn't even able to take the race start. I'm getting quicker slowly with that run through, I feel, because uh, many, many hours ago it took me 10 minutes. I managed to rattle through it in eight minutes, and now the reason for the latest code 60 is revealed, Bruce Jones. Yeah, it's the, the 429 BMW being pushed onto a low loader to be uh, pulled clear of the track. So there were three cars in the GT4 class, and I fear now, Piers Johnson, whatever happened to that car, it's over and out for them. But you never say that. 11, uh, 11 hours, 50 minutes on the clock uh, is going to be brought back to the garage. Uh, the 24H series always very keen to get cars back and into the race if at all possible. One little thing I just noticed, when Marcus Winkelhock uh, took over in the lead of the race, East Talent Racing Team Audi, he immediately got in and set that car's fastest lap, literally on his first flying lap out of the pits. He might have gone fastest still, but we suddenly went straight into code 60, a yellow flag at turn 7, but the 429 Century Motorsport uh, BMW back onto the flat, or oh, is up onto the flatbed, and that will be pulled off the circuit as fast as they possibly can. And I must say, you just have to admire the speed of rescue at these circuits. It comes from years of experience. This is the 19th Dubai, it's 24 hours. But at the moment, we start, well, we started with 55 cars, except one didn't start if you follow my drift. That was the car that was due to line up second on the grid. And that was the Leipzig Motorsport Lamborghini. Didn't get start the race. A problem with the fuel tank. And it now, looking at the front end of that 429 BMW, the M4 GT4, uh, the front the front uh, lower front wing is effectively missing. The bit un under the lower half of the of the grille at the front. The rest of the car looks relatively straight as the car is taken back. But you can never say that with assuredness until you've seen both sides of the car. Rear wing. Yeah, is in position. I thought for a second that had uh, come away from the supports there. But uh, Century Motorsport, of course, uh, very busy because they've got two cars in the top class as well. GT3 class, uh, fourth overall, that's Jack Barlow. He's taking on fuel, so he'll probably drop down the order a little bit. And in fact, a Tempto Racing, you just put their, their sharpest tool in the car. Ricardo Feller, the young Swiss racer, who's had a fabulous t last two or three seasons, and will take over the 99 Audi and expect that to make great, great progress. And finishing my thoughts on Century Motorsport, they are running fourth at the moment and ninth in the pits at the moment. Pierre Klein-Ubing, Brazilian racer. Sorry, he's in the car below. Uh, it's Sean Galeo, the driver from Indonesia, ninth overall. They were fourth and eighth and now fourth and ninth. But again, quite a few cars and teams taking advantage of Code 60 to dive in and take however, whichever fraction of a fuel allowance they're allowed under Code 60. For the majority of the runners, unless you've got an AM lineup, it is only 25% of your fuel allowance. But for a lot of teams might think, do we need it? The answer is always top up if you possibly can. But also as a team, you have to assess how long the stoppage is going to be. Can you come take 25% of your tank on one lap and do the same next time around? Or will other cars be there? Can you dare take the risk of diving into the pits just as the green flag may be flown? However, we started with 54 cars taking the rolling start. I think we've lost about half a dozen of them. Uh, Lotus PB Racing listed in the garage at the moment. That's the one Stefano D'Asti was talking about, the front left-hand corner having collapsed, possibly as collateral damage from the other corner at the front end earlier in the race. But uh, So a few listed as in the pits, but we don't think they'll go any further. And that includes the Racing One Ferrari that has been there for quite some while. It was a front-runner running in the top six, 
Had a little bit of contact. They couldn't get the door open at the first pit stop. So uh, certainly some problems early on. But the pace was there. Not yet listed as an official retirement on any screen. But uh, again, once the garage doors come down, our pit crew can uh, get a pretty clear idea. Sometimes the door doesn't come down because they're sharing the actual pit garage with one, sometimes two other cars. This time with a slightly smaller field because of the logistical issues uh, getting through the, the Red Sea, going past Yemen. Uh, it was decided some of the cars wouldn't uh, risk being caught on the high seas in case they couldn't get back for racing wherever in the world they're due to be racing next. And some of the crews, of course, were due to be racing this weekend at the Daytona 24 hours. And some of the drivers have had to say, oh, I've got to. I have a full professional contract for that one. And you have to feel sorry for them and uh, just wish them the best of luck in the race they choose to do. So still in this Code 60 period. And again, checking statistics. Let's just see the official cause of that. It is still because car 429, the Century Motorsport GT4 BMW impact with the barriers at turn seven. I'm saying it's a relatively unusual place to go off. We've had a few cars going around down there. And uh, 921 stopped out there earlier, but that was an electrical problem for the Mulder Motorsport Porsche. Um, but this time, a problem with the spin for the GT4 BMW car 429 waiting to see it under the full lights of the pits when it's brought back to check all the damage certainly a bit of damage to the front end of the car I also sensed I think the left rear was it the right rear I'm trying to remember um, may have also picked up a bit of uh, contact down there as well and at the Dubai Autodrome plenty of space lots of track width always very generous indeed uh, and then also lots of generous space out beyond but uh, once the drivers get out over the curbing it's very very slippery big sandstorm ahead of the race pretty much as the cars were going to the grid and while the area on the track was getting sand bl blown back onto it the cars would clear it but when you go out over the edge of the circuit get onto the uh, outer areas of the apron and uh, certainly really incredibly slippery now one car that i need to just talk about a little bit it happened just after johnny palmer and i left the commentary booth in the global broadcast center at the end of our opening stint was the 138 audi we commented on how the bodywork, the front right corner, was rather tattered, but nothing was flapping, so it didn't seem to matter they sent it back in the race. Uh, but uh, people out on the Twitter sphere have informed me that happened just after we went off and handed over the commentary to Andrew Marriott and Phil Anson, and uh, that's about five hours ago, but it's clearly no further damage to the front right-hand corner of the 138 Audi. And uh, with nothing flapping, there's no reason for it not to be running out on the circuit. The only reason that bodywork that's uh, loose has to be sorted is in case at full racing speed it then gets air under it uh, comes loose and then flies out into the track we did have a bit of bodywork lying on the track which was collected by the cp racing mercedes relatively early in the race that had come off the tail end of the uh, slightly troubled lotus elise from uh, just pb racing and it was just as they came out of turn 16 accelerating hard down the start finish straight but that certainly cleared a uh, bit of uh, bodywork off the track so uh, johnny back in harness we're waiting to go green again just commenting, Marcus Finkelhock, on his first flying lap in the car after the pit stop, set that car's fastest lap, one, one minute 59. And then you could just imagine Marcus, ever enthusiastic, was just looking to get going even faster. And then we had this code 60 period. But it should... I'm just checking, are they doing barrier repairs down there? On the exit of turn 7, the tyre marks from where the 429, I think, has gone out of the corner. So it's turned right coming out of the corner. It is a long and ever-tightening right-hander. But the fact they've got... Uh, a tractor with the front bucket on it pushing the back of the barrier suggests they need to come forward and they're just strengthening that already the course officials are down there looking people with nice crisp white shirts that must be officialdom coming to check it out because uh, clearly when a barrier has had one impact it's not going to be so good with the second hopefully this isn't going to lead to a long repair but the first barrier repair early in the race was the exit of turn nine so going onto that infield straight the long infield straight 
and um, that led to an hour and 11 minutes of code 60. Car number 927 had uh, given the barriers a clatter. It certainly didn't help their race hopes, but they'd bent back the support. So it wasn't a case of just taking off one unit of uh, barrier and inserting another. They had to have something that was vertical to attach it to. But, uh, of course, we wouldn't ask them to make us go racing when all is not safe. So we'll bear with them while this repair is still going on. And it feels like we've been here before with what happened on the exit of Turn 9, which all those hours ago was the second Code 60 of the race. And so many more since then has rather hampered our progress in terms of the total distance covered for the amount of hours in that we are. A, a recap of the nine Code 60s now that we have had. There was a brief one at the start... Uh, we started racing incidentally at one o'clock, so we managed to get the, through the first hour and twenty minutes scot-free regarding cautions. But then the nine-two-one Porsche stopped on the back straight, which was the beginning of the Mulner Motorsport problems, wasn't it? All those years, all those hours ago, was that not? not no, it's all Brensport. The, the nine-two-one already had its own problems, stopping okay. and starting, and then it was uh, Stefan Bayer who just taken over the uh, nine-two-seven. That got a bit enthusiastic, we think, on the throttle, or just ran a little, little bit wide over the curves. But yeah. that was that was a, a larger degree of damage to the barriers. Yeah, I remember the bear incident. I don't remember the reason why we've had that first uh, Code 60. But anyway, oh. it was the 921 car that uh, was reported stopped on the back straight and did eventually get going again. But that was a short Code 60, Sorry, only you're 11 quite, minutes. you're quite right. I'm chopping and changing. That was the Bulmer car. And again, it was just after... Gilles Vanillet, that was the first of the delays he had yeah. in that car. And he had about five stabs at his opening stint, and each time he literally did a lap or half a lap, and they seemed to come back again. But the fact the car is still in the race... Sorry, Johnny, I jumped between one Porsche and another. Not at all. I, I really thought I was going crazy then. I was, I was thinking, was it that long ago that Mulner have been suffering those problems for? But it really has. So an hour and 20 minutes into the race was their first indication of this ignition issue. And then since then, it sort of extended and extended but yes the biggest incident was for 927 spinning coming out of turn 9 and smashing into the barrier on driver's left then we had a 7 minute code 60 because of a stopped Ginetta on track the 277 there were short dramas for 226 at the second corner which brought out caution number 4 but only for 9 minutes a, uh, an 8 minute caution number 5 Again for Mulner Motorsports 921. Some oil reported on track for caution number or code 60 number six, and that was for the best part of half an hour just before nine o'clock last night. Quarter to 11, there was a short, sharp code 60 for only seven minutes when car 76 was stopped on the start finish line. That, that was the McLaren. 278, the other Ginetta from CWS Racing was reported stopped at turn 11, which created a caution for only five minutes. And this one, yes, is the BMW 429, but after impact with the barrier at turn seven, says the message next to code 60 number nine. Yeah, that sixth one for the oil on track at turn one, bear in mind a certain Porsche had absolutely no braking at all there the 91 Porsche from Herbert Motorsport so was that before that code 60 while we were off air or afterwards to clear up because clearly there was something amiss down there the, the car just didn't decelerate at all 
it went into the first corner. So that was one I, of the favourites in the race out. The pace that it arrived at turn one, I cannot think there was a code 60 out at the time. And actually, the off for a Robert Renauer probably brought the attention to No, no exactly. That's, that's sort of what, what I'm suggesting, rather mm. than uh, afterwards and finally they haven't cleaned it up uh, sufficiently well. But it's already under cover of darkness and a uh, black Porsche going off. Hard to pick out. But what wasn't hard to pick out was the fact that uh, with normal retardation over the outfield the uh, runoff area that uh, the car would have slowed down somewhat more but the scenario of going in there and just finding a patch of oil clearly your natural braking and even turning into the corner wasn't going to be a factor no, I mean, it's downhill on the approach anyway and one of the not quite the highest speed entry turn 10 is faster but there have been some huge incidents over the years into turn one often with a car turning right far before the corner and actually then being thrown right across the track sideways mm. and I remember can't remember which manufacturer it was now but a car squeaking through the tiniest of gaps as uh, you know traffic unbeknownst to them almost being sideswiped by a fully added control car but thankfully that contact was avoided in previous years but then you're always going to uh, arrive into the tyre wall at unabated speed In fact, I think the largest area of runoff is uh, at turn 14, where the, the bank actually goes up the side of a bowl, effectively. The angle's yeah. slightly, as you pointed out earlier, slightly flatter than the actual angle on the track itself. But uh, certainly that's a, a great place to watch. You're back a little bit from the cars, but just the fact they're going to that dip of the bowl and then rising up through the corner, hopefully with the grip uh, from just the angle of the track as well as from their tyres but a really great place to watch, a lot of overtaking down there, really good spectator area and that's been a real boon, turns 14 and 15, the penultimate corner and the one before, close to the pit so people come down, they're milling in the, in the paddock uh, taking in meals, eating, you know, moving around getting a drink but a really good place to watch and I think, you know I love it when you're at a circuit and it goes from day into night. It feels like you're at two different race circuits. And uh, if you can plot to move around at various vantage points, you get so much more out of a race meeting. I know I'm preaching to the converted. Not just you, Johnny, but uh, people listening to us uh, and watching the broadcast and listening to the broadcast wherever they are. A little bit of planning really augments any day at a race circuit. Don't forget your interactions on social media, uh, notably X, where you can find the handle for this series, at 24H Series, and um, the current standings within the TCE division posted out uh, a few moments ago, in fact, with AC Motorsport 188 out front from Simpson and Zorg Rensport. Stick the handle at RSL underscore studio in there as well and uh, we will hook out any comments that you're making. It, uh, it may be quite a reasonable hour where you are uh, watching this race. On the other hand, in uh, Western Europe and indeed in the UK, uh, it is uh, heading deep into Saturday night now. What is that? Uh, nearly 9.30 in the UK. Bruce and I are on for a little more than a further 90 minutes, and then we'll be handing back to the uh, very trusty uh, two pairs of hands of uh, Andrew Marriott and Phil Anson to do um, the proper overnight stuff from 3am Yeah, and no, I think uh, we will find Snowy up in the commentary box as well they're rotating oh, yes. through a number, in fact I think Snowy's joining Phil when we go off, but you know you get so engrossed in a race you sometimes think, you even forget what the time is in your own country, wherever you are around the world, but you just, it does make me laugh when someone suddenly messages you 
or on X or, or some other channel to get through to you, and you suddenly go, hold on, you, that's in Australia. What are you doing awake at five in the morning? You know, <laughs> particularly if it's a race that is going, is you know, running late on a Sunday afternoon in Europe. You're thinking, hold on, are you supposed, supposed to be getting up within a few hours to go to work, to school, to whatever? But it just shows the level of enthusiasm globally for motor racing, and the fact it's so much more personal. And when people do send in messages via, you know, RSL underscore studio or whatever, it really adds a personal touch to the meeting, as well as the fact there are so many things for us to look at, so many things for us to stumble over, so it's quite great uh, great when you can provide another set of eyes, and certainly uh, whenever we do the Nürburgring Langstrecken races with, you know, 150 cars or, or so to start with on a 25-kilometre circuit, so many points where incidents can happen, uh, we need as many pairs of eyes as we can get. So it's a way of getting involved, and we very much enjoy all of your input. To be entirely accurate, in fact, when uh, Bruce and I knock off at 3am, it will be Phil Anson, I was right, 50% right, but joined by Chris Milbourne in the commentary box for two hours, and then there'll be a bit of Chris and Snowy, so Chris yes. Milbourne and Peter Snowden, and then they'll return to uh, to the starting lineup of Phil Anson and Andrew Marriott. Marriott on for the breakfast show, if you like, from 8 o'clock this morning. So, uh, yeah, every different combination, I think, of, uh, of commentary... Um, companions for yeah. the remaining 11 hours and 35 minutes and the, the pit lane duties in Dubai shared by uh, Dinah Binks one eye in one eye out with just the one contact lens a very <laughs> unusual setup but it may work as she's running through the night it's uh, with, a bit uh, like P- Peter Snowden and, and the newbie in the team Chris Milburn doing a, a very good like job it's a bit like that you know when in the World Endurance Championship you have the hard compound on the left and the mediums on the right or you know inters on one side of the car and dry tyres on the other. Yeah, Binksy's gone with one contact lens in and the other one out because it was far too dusty. She says it's better than ever. Maybe a visit to the opticians is something you need to do when you can go home. How can it be duster in one eye than the other unless you always stand looking one direction down the pit lane, therefore meeting the prevailing wind? I know, according to degree of, of cool in the night, you have different levels of bobble hat from Binksy at the colder events. This isn't one of those colder events. And we've gone green. So, yes, the uh, was that the ninth uh, period... Oh, let's double check on that. Of uh, yes, it was. It was uh, Co sixty number nine, was it not? I'm trying to scroll yes, down my upseat yep. screen. Spot so on. Wasn't too long that one, but the barrier repairs had to be done at turn seven. Marcus Winkelhock was leading. He'd only just taken over the race leading East Talent Racing Team Audi. That's car number fifty four, white and blue of livery, and then just got going. Set the car's fastest lap and straight into a code sixty. Now he's got Sergei Borisov back in the Proton Uber competition. Porsche. I know still in the race, I didn't really know much about Sergei, but he hasn't raced since 2017. He got in, I thought, well, oh, unfortunately, uh, for the 83 crew from Proton Hooper competition, he's going to lose a bit of time. Not a bit of it. He was no. about maybe a second or two down on the very quickest. That is a massive accolade for someone with only about four seasons of racing under his belt and then, you know, the mere number of uh, years out in between, six to seven years out, and he's just adapted to this circuit incredibly well. So Sergei, really good job. Let's see what you can do. The hardest one to chase would, of course, be Marcus Finkelhock. And, in fact, suddenly Anthony Bartone, the get-speed Mercedes, has moved ahead. Of course, we've had the shuffling around some late coming out of the pits. And Sergei, just trying to see how much further back he is. He's actually nine seconds down on Anthony Bartone. Again, it was a question of where they were uh, going through those timing sectors. But, undisputably, Marcus Finkelhock in the lead of this race. And that, despite a very recent pit stop as well for car 54, so uh, neatly timed to set the car up for the next segment. 
but also, relatively speaking, losing little track time. And Marcus Winklehock was properly in the groove even before the Code 60 came out. So he took the car over from the previous Simon driver, Riker Simon Riker. Previous, yeah. yeah, so Riker did 34 laps, and then, as far as I can tell, Marcus Winkelhock has actually done four stints already. The opener was a massive two laps. He then did a, a single lap, out lap, in lap, two further laps, maybe, and then another single stint, and now finally he's going to get into the group. So this will be his fourth stint, actually. So it's sort of two, a one, a two and now hopefully much more significant up into the 30 laps, assuming we stay green. Come on, Marcus, give us a three-lapper. You know, this is the thing. But the fact is, he set that car's fastest lap on his, on his first flying lap, then came the ninth code 60. I'm sure he's going to extend the lead, but um, tell you what, if you've never met Marcus Winkelhock, make sure you do if you're ever at a circuit. He's such an entertaining driver. You can take it for granted. He's incredibly quick. I mean, you know, you don't just stay as a front-level driver by not being quick but he's also a winner there's sometimes yeah. quite a different there you, when you chart, go down the chart of what this second generation Vingerhock racer has managed in his career there's an awful lot of success when it comes to victory in 24 hour races etc 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 you don't stumble into victories you might once but you don't do it multiple times not very far away from beginning the 300th lap of the 19th edition of the Hankook 24 hours. In fact, Marcus just about around the final corner now to tick off 2.99 and on to the 300th circuit. Not always with Marcus Winklehock, quite obviously at the wheel of the number 54 car, but he did start the race and he's been installed again for these oh-so-important overnight hours. We're right on the cusp of 1.30 in the morning and, if anything, the pace more relentless now as it was 12 hours ago that's because the conditions are more friendly towards a racing car with ambient temperature cooling off nicely. The track temperature still will be pretty warm, though. Um, so you've always got to be careful with the tyres, particularly in the early stages of a 70-minute stint, there or thereabouts. One thing they don't have to necessarily keep a watchful eye on, like you would in the World Endurance Championship racing or, indeed, in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship, is a real confined tyre allocation. Generally speaking, new set of tyres every single stint in this race. Makes things simpler for the drivers. They're not having to get into onto something new. Right, three victories in the Nürburgring 24 hours for Marcus Finkerhock. 2012, 2014 and 2017. And that same year, 2017, he also just added victory in the Spa 24 as well. And as I say, you don't reverse into wins at that level. All of those in Audis, by the way, just showing how loyal he's been to the mark you know and actually last year he won, he won the Sepang 12 hours not a race that's in the same breath as those great 24 hour races but again when there's a long distance race and uh, people want to take victory in that case Andrew Harrianto and James Uquai very promising driver look out for James Uquai last year he was good this year he's going to be even better uh, but they wanted the experience and the speed of Marcus Vingerhock bring him in victory in that race well let's see what he can do today will this be a fifth victory in a 24 hour race let's wait and see but right now Having run through all of the drivers, we've gone through the whole sequence for the East Talent Racing team. Christopher Hasser, Marcus Finkelhock, they'll do the hard work, but uh, Simon Reichert was pretty impressive as well. And uh, Mike Yu in that crew, so uh, Mike Zhu, I beg your pardon. And uh, so it's a very, very strong lineup across the board. You don't want just two quick drivers, you want everybody able to, you know, work the hard yards and get those quick lap times in.
Yeah, uh, the, the responsibility of a race has to be shouldered throughout your lineup, regardless of the delta time. And, you know, there will have been a conversation in the pre race briefing where everyone sits down and says, right, what do we think each driver is capable of in terms of not being out of their comfort zone? And then it's important, once you've established the pace, particularly for the AMs, that they're then not distracted into a battle they don't need to get involved with, because so often an AM driver can be up against a pro and think, oh, I've got to be pushing harder than I am, and that can so often result in an off-track moment. The, Go ahead. the very example of that is the fact that uh, the Segai Borisov caught up with Anthony Barton and has moved past the get-speed Mercedes. American driver in second place has ceded that position. He knows he can't lap at the same pace as the Proton Hobart competition Porsche in the hands of Borisov, so he let him pass. Very sensible. He's still in third place. In fact, they've got quite a gap, but the driver who's uh, quickest out on the track, or thereabouts at the moment, in fact, second quickest, is Ricardo Feller. He's been really held back uh, when we've been commentating until now, but the Swiss driver super fast in any Audi. He's up into fourth place, but in fact, just looking down the charts, the driver who was fast this last time around is the driver in fifth place, and it's Jacques Barlow doing a fantastic job uh, for Century Motorsport in the number 22, the better place there too, M4 GT3s. That's leading the GT3 Pram class, and Jacques Barlow doing a stonkingly good job in that. Two minutes, 1.3 seconds last time around. Yeah, so... Uh, uh, early into his Dubai 24-hour career, but uh, another one, I'm sure, that will be eager to come back for many years more. And um, no doubt looking to bolster his pedigree at uh, 24-hour races too. So got the opportunity with Century Motorsport this time around, but uh, there's always the scope, of course, to be noticed by other teams as well. You know, sometimes you look at a driver whose career just continues. It's a continuum. They might move from championship to championship. But just quickly looking at Jack Barlow, he raced in 2013 in Formula 4, UK Formula Ford in 2014, MSA Formula 2015, Gap. Yep. We're now 2024. He's back. He's 28 years old. He's had a, a, a nine-year hiatus. So he was a teenager when he had three seasons of racing. But he's back, and he's uh, setting some very good times. So welcome back to racing, Jack. Good job. And of the big 24-hour races, I make that his, this being his first. Yeah, indeed. So he's certainly never competed at Dubai before. Well, it's all been single-seaters until now. Yeah, it took him okay. nine years to see the light. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sports car racing has always been over here, Jack. We've just been waiting for you. The door wide open. Just waiting for your decision to give it a try. And I'm sure he's absolutely loving it to this point in the car after that combined effort from all those in the 22 up again into the top five it's flirted with the top three positions certainly when Lewis Plato was last at the wheel Jake Rattenbury and Carl Cavers are the other all British lineup and Jack Barlow actually an AM plus because of his single seater experience uh, across um, well a reasonable stretch of years but he's, uh, he may be quite a picky driver in terms of uh, his opportunities and what he wants to fully commit to. And the other thing we don't always include is what he can afford. Of course, you have to oh, cut your cloth. That's a very good point. Yeah. What you can afford and then a little bit more. It's like buying a house. Sean Galeal, the other Century Motorsport BMW driver, and that car now really lighting up the timing screen. It's the fastest the 14 car has gone to date through two of the three sectors. And it might be that Sean makes it a clean sweep of green times very, very shortly. So I'm not sure Sean's been at the wheel of that car. 
prior to this stint? And not when we've been on, but okay. I can look, for, look at every minute while we were just uh, taking some time out before coming back for this uh, five-hour stint to take through the race through till three o'clock the morning local time in Dubai. Not the coolest point of the night. It continues to cool until just before the sun comes up. So, uh, But it's certainly been a warmish day. But the main concern Saturday at the Dubai Autodrome was the dust, the sand that blew across the track just before the start of the race and continued to do so for about the first three hours and it seemed to slightly abate. But uh, So track conditions changing all the time and then you had the change of light going into darkness. But as we pointed out, the headlights in these cars are amazing now. It's quite a large area of the circuit. is really very well floodlit as well. So it's not like a, a dark, dark race through the night. Not certainly like the Spa 24 hours or the Nürburgring 24 hour, that's for sure. Darren Leung doing quite a lot of the heavy lifting in the number 14 car, as he actually explained to Diana Binks not too long ago. Chris Salkel did an early stint as well, then quite a bit of Michael Johnston. But yes, this could very easily be the first bit of Sean Gillale we've seen, having taken over at the 290 lap marker. And he's quick. Two minutes, Very quick. 0 0.7 seconds. Fastest driver on the circuit. Faster even than Marcus Finkelhock. There's an accolade. Put that feather in your cap. Eight tenths of a second faster last time around than the race leader. The race leader, one minute and 52 seconds clear of uh, Sergei Borisov in the 83 Porsche. So it's the East Talent Racing Team 54 Audi leading the way. And out on track, he's gaining half a second, slightly more on Sergei Borisov. Bear in mind, Sergei only just moved up into second place ahead of Anthony Bartone. Anthony, in the get-speed Mercedes, didn't make it too difficult. Let him go through, because he's lapping about five seconds slower than the flying uh, Sergei at the moment. So Ricardo Feller, who's in behind, is gaining four seconds a lap, but he's about three... He's about a lap and a half down in fourth place. So it's still East Talent Racing Audi from Proton Huber Competition Porsche, get-speed Mercedes. Lots of variety at the front, not in terms of nationality and manufacturer, three different manufacturers in the top three positions four top manufacturers different manufacturers in the top five with that century motorsport jack barlow driven car going very nicely indeed but he's not going to catch ricardo fellow because the gap is 56 seconds between them but again he's now racing an exalted company to the high side for hans Vermen in the uber motorsport porsche a flash of the lights to make sure that uh, the porsche cup car had seen him and he manages to sneak by. It was either a Porsche Cup car or the Cayman. It was the 227, which is Benito Targal, in the, the Mexican driver in the uh, SRS team, saw Grensport Porsche 17 Cayman, GT4 CS. Should have gone with my first no, no, guess. But, you know, when these cars are going in and out of pools of light, you only get one quick chance to, to see them with the requisite point. You don't get a chance to go, oh, can I just check that? But... Uh, yeah, it's pretty crucial because that's the only 718 Cayman GT4, the only Cayman full stop in the race. And as such, he's entered into the TCE category because from a lap uh, time perspective, you're going to find more TCE cars that are at the same relative pace and therefore a fairer fight for those involved with SRS Team Zorg Sports venture. And remember that the hugely populated 992 division whether you're in the top layer of that or in 992 am the cars spec wise are identical but 992 am could be your category depending on the, the driver makeup that you have but always such a pop, popular place to go racing and great that the 992 and also the 991 gen 2 cup cars are accommodated within that 
So meantime, the Audi R8 LMS of Marcus Winkelhock leading after 304 laps by the better part of two minutes now. So that consistent run from the German and also some well-timed pit stops really keeping the 54 car at an arm's length and a bit more, frankly, from Proton Huber competition from Get Speed, who continue to flip flack through their pit stops. There's only 16 seconds between the second and the third place cars, so that's nice and close, but the gap to the race leader continuing to open up. Yeah, certainly Sergei Borisov has opened out a huge margin over Anthony Bartone since moving up in second place to the Proton Huber Porsche. Looking to see who else is flying. Certainly Sean Galeel. He did a two minutes flat, almost the, the fastest lap for the uh, number 14 Century Motorsport BMW. He's still down in 10th place, but he's uh, actually closing quite quickly. Two seconds a lap on Pierre Klein, Kleinubing, the Brazilian racer in the heart of racing Mercedes. So expect that one to change. I think that'll be the only one in the top 10 that's going to change. The other small gap under 10 seconds is uh, eight and a half seconds between the car in sixth, Matteo Merafina, the Santelot Junior Team Audi. He's got ahead of Sabino De Castro and he's stretching that advantage by about a second a lap. So uh, that is the closest, but that's going to go out, whereas the, the other one that's going to come down is going to be whoever Sean Galeel is chasing down, which is Pierre Kleinubig. So the battle for ninth place is going to close in. Now some maybe indecision down at the first corner with uh, actually a GT3 car about to be overtaken by the 908 Cup car. So the 50 Uber machine then, I don't think necessarily with a problem, but didn't quite have the, the same turn-in ability as Flint Schuring in the Sevla Shoe Racing by Duvo Racing car. So Uber Racing's number 50 just a tad off the pace through turn 7 and 8 where these GT3 cars should be quite a bit quicker than the Cup cars. Now, one thing that I always find is very sensible indeed, the 429 uh, GT4 BMW that had the clatter into the barriers at turn uh, 7 that caused the last code 60, there is a message saying, driver of car 429 to medical centre for checks. Even if the driver seems fine, it's a big impact. And Piers Johnson, I remember his name when he, we, he used to run a colour processing company, a printing company in London was involved in some of the autosport projects back in the day, 54 year old printer from London he may not be doing that career anymore but it helped him into racing and he, he had a, a long period of racing but he's had about quite a few years out so it's good to have him back on board a bit of a shame that involved clattering into the barriers but you know once you're back in racing you're back in racing so uh, let's hope your next race Piers doesn't end up with the clatter of car against uh, tyre wall and barrier and more to the point hope you're right, all fine right now 11 hours and just under 18 minutes still to go in the 19th edition of the Dubai 24 hours and uh, a concentration once again on Sabino Di Castro in the multicoloured Porsche from Manumari Energy. They seem to have been perpetually seventh over the last, well, number of hours really. They are trying to make strides in fairness towards Matteo Marafina and the lap times are going in favour of Di Castro, so there may be an opportunity within this stint to get the 95 car back up into the top six overall. It's that Santalot Racing or Santalot Junior Team Audi that stands in its way in the meantime. You know, we've lost maybe eight of the cars from this field, so just down into the, into the sort of mid-40s, but uh, the fact of the matter is I thought Merafina was going faster than, than the Santalot Junior Audi than Sabino Di Castro 
was in the Manamari Porsche, but I expect it to be the other way around. And suddenly, it must have been a much slower lap from uh, De Castro, followed by a much faster one. And that's why he's brought the gap down to six and a half seconds, 6.3 seconds. He chases after Matteo Marafina's Audi in the quest to get up into sixth place. And uh, certainly it's coming. So I don't know what caused the slower lap two laps ago for Spino De Castro, but uh, I would suggest that the sort of normal form has been regained within that little battle. Sector times very respectable for the top 10 overall and indeed classes further down the order as well. I get the feeling the track is maybe in something like its best state since we got underway when not only were you fighting the clock, not only were you fighting cars up alongside you, but namely you were fighting an incredibly dirty racetrack which Lawrence Tomlinson com uh, compared to driving in the wet. A, because of the lack of visibility, but more crucially, because of the lack of grip beneath the Hankook tyres. And, you know, turning at Turn 1 on that, that opening lap was a real lottery because you had no idea who was alongside you because you couldn't see a thing, but how much grip was there and, you know, are the tyres going to bite? Uh, the eternal question on days like this, and once it gets in your mind, you've got to really focus on that. i tell you what. A driver down all the way down. You don't get normally excited about someone in 14th place, but uh, Rob Huff just got on the team. Parker racing Bentley Continental just whacked in its fastest lap. So he's giving nice. chase. He did a 2 minute 1.0 second lap. That's one of the quickest laps overall in the race. So good job. So for now, hopefully those ABS problems have been slowing the car, have been discarded from Rob Huff. And he's not going to have to find something scrabbling around on the floor of the car in this driving stint as he did in the opening stint of the race but uh, good to have that team parker racing bentley on the move the driver he's hunting down is the driver who's leading and has led the car that has led uh, the 992 cup class forever and a day and that's the red camel jordan's car in the hand of the younger of the luke of the uh, broikers brothers that's luke but uh, the timing gap between them is uh, 21 seconds on the track, but about six seconds a lap in terms of lap pace. So Rob Huff absolutely flying at that number 31, Team Parker racing Bentley. And I can't remember who, I think it was, um, it might have been Peter Snowden interviewing him, saying, you seem to race more in Dubai now than you did when you spent all those years living here. So it's rather, rather entertaining. And as Rob always back instantly on with a reply, he pointed out, well, it's because I now live in England. I don't want to be there in January. Come back for the weather. Why not? It's a fair point. And uh, so often, you know, you have a, a very attractive venue just down the road, as it would have been when he lived in Dubai, and you tend not to go there because you think, oh, I can go there anytime I like, just not today. Whereas when you are, you know, a couple of thousand miles away, then you're thinking, ah, oh, miss Dubai and certainly the 24 hours. You make perhaps more effort to go when it's further away. Well, so to be, to be quite honest, this is about the loveliest time of the year before it gets too hyper hot in Dubai so you can get a lot more done in a day where you can walk out of the house without, without just without it being melting. degrees. In, in oh, my word. Two minutes, one second, 1.7 seconds a lap wasn't quick enough for Rob Huff. Two minutes, zero seconds, 0.3. He's and closed he's the even gap. faster on the next lap. And, oh, oh, he's closed the gap from 21 seconds to uh, 11 seconds in the space of one lap. So this rate of progress, in, within a lap, he should be on the tail of Luke Broikers leading handsomely in the 992 Cup class. So I'm sure Luke will be getting the message. Don't bother blocking him. Let him through. And presumably, now they've found a a uh, more manageable setting on the ABS. He said that, you know, they've reined that back a little bit, which does mean that they're having to break about 10 metres earlier in the corner. But you're still arriving into those slow-speed corners 
terrifically hot and able to charge down the inside of maybe a gaggle of cup cars. But, I mean, Rob can adapt to that different style of driving quite readily, but it's a question about, you know, the others that are new to this car, how quickly have they been able to do it? I'm sure they're all just about there now, but this is where potentially now we're going to see some real fireworks from the Bentley in the right possible sense, because everyone is driving around a problem, if, if you like, and has, has had many laps at doing that. Yeah, bear in mind, just before the end of his stint, uh, Max Lynn, I, I thought was a problem with the car. I now realise, and as you pointed out at the time, that's because he just doesn't want to break deep into the corners. So it's still a problem. But then again, when you're an ultra pro, world titles under your belt like Rob Huff, you, you just got that much more feeling for a car, that much more experience and confidence. Uh, so it was simply a case of it was very near to the end of Max's stint. And I think he's just been cautious the last couple of laps, doing two minutes 10s, 11s, two minutes 12s. But right now, in the hands of Rob Huff, possibly with uh, something a little more fixed in the car, he's banging in super quick laps. Two minutes, one seconds, two minutes flat for Team Parker Racing. And the next lap, well, waiting for that to be completed. The gap's down to 3.5 seconds now. In fact, he's done two laps in the two-minute flat sector of times so fast and consistent but with res with the respect of uh, max lynn the old adage goes you might lose one second two seconds three seconds on the odd lap here and there 100 percent. but that's nothing compared to the time you would lose for a, a pit stop that you didn't expect because a tire's gone down or you've taken a wing off the car with a, with an off-track moment. Look, and we've, we've had cars just going for rotation, not hit a single thing, but it loses them about 15 seconds getting back onto track. And if there are a gaggle of cars coming down the track towards you, you cannot rejoin until they've got past. So even the smallest of things, no, absolutely the right approach. Drive as fast as you're feeling comfortable with. Hmm. So yeah, Rob Huff, I mean, it doesn't stop us thoroughly enjoying a Rob Huff stint and uh, him really chucking that that Bentley around like it's a Formula Ford. Terrific to watch and uh, the 14th place car may not be 14th for very much longer. Looking certainly to get in amongst that big bank of GT3 cars that stretch from 1st to 12th on the timing screen and it's only Luke Broeker's Porsche from the 992 class that he needs the leapfrog to get into that ballpark. Just double-checking, I think he's already done that uh, job. Or was that just a flash in the darkness? Or was it the orange Porsche turning into the final corner, waiting to see? But uh, Well, he's only three and a half seconds behind it at the start of that lap, so, yeah. so I'm sure he's made that time up because he was gaining at something like eight yeah, seconds a lap. He's moved and he's got ahead by three seconds, so it was, uh, it was uh, one of the other orange cars in the class, the 992 Cup class, that... Uh, would have then been just up ahead of him, but he'll pick that one off as well. Meanwhile, as they say, Marcus Fingelhock, what's his advantage? One minute, 54 seconds, gaining about a second a lap over Sergei Borisov. Sergei doing such a good job in this race. You know, every now and again, you get a driver you don't really know. You come in and think, well, what can they do? But it's not just the fact you can do a quick lap. It's the fact you can do them consistently. Yeah. That's absolutely the key. And certainly, as all the drivers have been saying, this lap surface seems to change and lap in lap out. Now lots of traffic up ahead of Rob Huff and he's one car that the number nine, it's the Mercedes uh, of third place, Anthony Bartone, who's got the 95 Porsche trying to get pie. That's Sabino Di Castro, who's a good lap or two behind in seventh overall. And trying to get past both of them, of course, is Rob Huff. Well, yeah, why do one overtake when you can do about three in one go and around one side of one of those cars now to the inside line of the get speed Mercedes of Anthony Bartone to unlap itself from the third place overall car 
and gets that done again on the compromised braking area from the Bentley's point of view it's compromised because it is struggling or was struggling in the early stages with the ABS but the the rotors the brake discs glowing red hot as the Bentley Continental slows into turn 12 something you wouldn't necessarily be able to pick out in daylight hours but it looks glorious in the middle of the night we're at eight minutes to two in the morning and Rob Huff with this relentless pace yeah able to lap faster than anyone else on the circuit at the moment two minutes one second for that last lap our race leader super quick Marcus Fingerlock two minutes 3.1 so quicker than the race leader by a second and more are those are those braking problems sorted or is basically Rob Huff just worked a way to get around the ABS problems to slow that Bentley Continental he's not in the top 10 but he's doing what he can he's up into 13th place his next target is uh, two and a half minutes ahead of him and that's Hans Wehrmann in the number 50 Huber Motorsport Porsche but press on press on that's all can be asked right uh, car 936 team manager report to timekeeping with yellow control card so the team managers can't sit in the deck chair at the back of the garage or a comfy seat or a bean bag. They've got to keep on their toes, not just to keep running the team, but uh, if the race officials feel they need to have a word with them, up they must go. That's Kay Kramer Racing. We normally see uh, them competing in the Nürburgring 24 hours and the uh, NLS races around the Nordschleife. I'm sure they'll be there again this year, but uh, super strong in uh, 992 Cup Racing and at the moment third in 992 and but fourth overall in the 992 Cup race so a really really good run for K Kramer Racing but uh, let's hope whatever is required can be shown to the race officials up uh, in race control in the timekeeping box again you have to understand as a team manager what exactly are they going to be asking me but again experience leads to the answers to those questions Now, Marcus Winkelhock onto lap 311 and uh, again building the distance between he and Sergei Borisov. It's very nearly two minutes now, Marcus Winkelhock over the Proton Uber competition Porsche. And now, have we had an answer to why the CP racing Mercedes? We had it coming very slowly in the hands of Darren Law, but it's still listed being in the pits. I don't know if we've had a, a clear answer as to why that's not out or running around the circuits. That'd be quite good to. Uh, find out if we possibly could because cp racing super popular all around the world but uh, for the 24 h series they're almost a totemic team yeah well the pit reporter offer a break at the moment i say pit reporter because we've had chris and we've had uh, die binks and we've had snowy as well but they will be rejoining us in six minutes time because Seb and uh, other RF camera operators taking a well-deserved night snack break, but I'm sure that will be first on the list of uh, of the pit crew when they come back on duty at two o'clock this morning. But oh. it's a it's a sorry sight. We did catch it in the background of a shot, quite a long shot of of pit road, and up until that point, well, it had been going strongly the CP Racing Mercedes back into the top six. Then it started to fade slightly. And now we've got an issue for one of the TCE Audis running a touch wide coming out of turn seven, but it is a much reduced speed. Was that the 188 AC Motorsport car? No, it's not in the right portion of the track for that. 
I'll tell you what we have got out on track is a really good class scrap in GT4. Just four seconds between the uh, Toyota GR Supra GT4 Evo from Continental Racing by TTR with Vasily Vladikin leading. And uh, young Australian racer Cameron McLeod has been catching uh, handsomely. But in fact, the last lap, no, it went the other way again. But it's four seconds between them after 284 laps. That's fantastic. And when I talk about Cameron McLeod, he's with AGMC Racing with their car, their BMW M4 GT4 run for them by Simpson Motorsport. The third car in class, of course, is the one that Piers Johnson put into the barriers, and I suggest that 429 is a retirement for Century Motorsport. But uh, never count cars out. If they fancy getting the car fixed, they've still got 11 hours of racing to enjoy here at the Dubai Autodrome. Just trying to look see who else is catching whom certainly Sean Galeo getting very very close to the heart of racing entry that's a don't automatically think it's an Aston Martin it's Mercedes run by the SPS team for them Pierre Kleinubing being caught very quickly indeed in that car and in fact Sean Galeo has now gone past him Galeo up into ninth place from 10th uh, for Century Motorsport so they're Century Motorsport in 5th and ninth at the moment with their third car the one in the GT4 class we think out of the race yeah, move completed. The, the, the black, white, or grey, white, and red BMW moves up for the Indonesian racer. Sean Galil absolutely adores his racing. His next target is 33 seconds up the track, so don't expect that one to be uh, gained in the blink of an eye. And his next target is uh, Mark Vollenwein, Car Collection Motorsport Porsche. That's car number 96. But certainly, uh, Sean Galil, to our eye, sort of stayed out of the cockpit till quite deep into this race, but ever since has been absolutely flying. The Get Speed Mercedes brought in from third place by Anthony Bartone. That should probably allow Attempto Racing, car number 99, the Audi of Ricardo Feller, to move up a position into third. But forget speed, they're running a good, solid race. That car shared by Fabian Schiller, who was brought in quite late on when Lucas Stoltz said he couldn't be here because he needed to be at Daytona. Armani racer, Al Faisal Al-Zubair, Anthony Bartone, the Americans just brought that in. Martin Conrad, very safe pair of hands. And Dominic Bauman, well, you know what you get with him, he's quick. But right now, driver change taking place in that one. But Anthony Bartone has probably done all of his night laps now, I would suggest. Got those out of the way and has got a, a well-deserved rest up ahead of him. So right over the kerbs for the Crone Racing slash RPM Porsche car number 907 for Patrick Hausman who began at uh, 1 o'clock yesterday afternoon the stints for this particular cup car they're running in 6th place and just ticking off his 300th lap so we did 300 laps for the GT3s a good little while ago now uh, 13 nearly 14 laps ago so that gives you an idea of what sort of speed the Porsche Cup cars do in comparison. The 992 leader for Red Camel Jordans.nl is actually on lap 304 at the moment. And there are conversations, quite serious ones, being uh, 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 overtaken, undertaken, down at AC Motorsport currently with the hood of that Audi up. And questions being asked. Well, first of all, discussions with the driver that's brought it in, just to try and establish... What on earth is going on with that AC Motorsport car? It's the car that I'd spotted out on track rather slowly, and it's Kobe Powell's who's brought it in at the end of its uh, 269th lap, Bruce. Yeah, you had uh, 
anyone who wants to study body language, you had uh, team representatives with their hands on their hips, sighing and breathing out. You had energy from Kobe Powell's young uh, racer, just demonstrating how he thought it was handling. But you didn't see mechanics jumping on the car to fix it. They've got to try and work out what it was. But, uh, oh, these moments. These are motor racing moments. But for AC Motorsport, we've been such staunch supporters uh, of this race. And that car went very well in class early in the race. In fact, it, it led the way in TCE. Paul Cedars has a really good run early days, but now they are suffering and uh, let's hope they can get it fixed. So the Belgian racer Kobe Powell's out of the car. AC Motorsport Belgian team as well, but they've fallen to second in the TCR class, third overall in TCE, and that the whole class and TCR being led by Simpson Motorsport with their version of the RS3 LMS. The DSG model, that is, will be the Kavi Jundu leading the way. He's got a, a tidy margin of about... I said, a tidy margin. Blinking at my timing screen, it's nine laps. <laughs> so the advantage for Simpson Motorsport has grown and grown and grown, and clearly the problems have been slowing the AC Motorsport, to, not the sister car, it's just the other Audi RS3 in this race. And again, under cover of darkness, uh, sometimes you don't get all the cars picked up coming into the pits. Clearly there's been a long pit stop somewhere, possibly as many as two or three hours ago or more for the AC Motorsport crew, but they were certainly quick at the start of the race, but right now all advantage goes to Simpson Motorsport and Kavi Jundu, nine laps clear. Yeah, mightily impressive, not only from Kavi, but also all the other drivers within Simpson Motorsport. You have to set out uh, with, again, that word consistency and momentum, I suppose, early on to establish such a, a dominant lead. On the other hand, I'll say this very quietly, but the complexion of a race can change within, you know, a single lap. And all of a sudden, if, if one car has a particular drama and it takes a bit of time to get back to the pits, a bit of time to diagnose the problem, and then even more time to actually fix it so, so quickly, a long-established lead for a particular car can disappear in an instant. Marcus Winkelhock will be oh so aware of that although a two minute margin you prefer to have that than not have it at just beyond the half distance marker in fact we've now managed to tick off yet another hour so that's 13 done now and a mere 11 still remain as at terminal velocity the 95 Porsche with Sabino Di Castro still driving it Manamari Energy by Ebi Motors car scrubbing off a considerable amount of speed into turn 10 and that car, again, really with somebody to play with, with Matteo, Matteo Merafina not that far up ahead for Santalock Junior Team. Gap about seven seconds. Other smallish margins include Sean Galeal, who's just recently overtaken Pierre Kleinubing. So Kleinubing having to try and hang on to the coattails of the, the Indonesian driver. But uh, Galeal's pace, quicker than Mark Valenvine up ahead. There's about 27 seconds to try and find, but he is eating into that margin for the Car Collection Motorsport car running uh, in eighth place right now. Yeah, it really is a point at which a driver, if he's confident with the car, is he knows he's gaining or she's gaining, doesn't matter who's driving the car, on the car ahead, and you can see your, your messages from your pits, it's coming down. 
little bit dispiriting if you're going down from 48 second gap to 46 but if it's 20 seconds it's attainable isn't it if you're gaining two seconds a lap in your stint you should catch them so it gives you a target it gives you something to focus on as well as picking your way past the, the cars from the, the junior classes but if, when you're running in GT3 and you're feeding your cars settling down in the night and some of the cars work better when it's cooler at night and other, other cars according to their setup work better during the day but I tell you what the East Talent Racing Audi is clearly supremely well set up because uh, not last time around when Marcus Winkelhock in the race lead lap by uh, two minutes and two seconds the previous lap he was two minutes flat which is only what it's, it's a whisker slower than that car's fastest lap in the race but more importantly you said for Marcus Winkov, he'd be better if he had a two-minute gap. Well, he has now. He's crested the two-minute advantage over Sergei Borisov in that number 83 Porsche from Proton Huber competition. And he, in turn, has got uh, another three minutes back to third place. But that's because we've just had Anthony Bartone coming in to get speed Mercedes. just served his pit stop. That means Attempto Racing have moved up to third. But Ricardo Fellow, not that long into his stint. Let me just uh, double check that in fact talk nonsense he's been out for quite a while one hour and seven minutes so in fact he'll be coming in uh, fairly soon but the young swiss racer has done very very good job in that so we've got audi from porsche from audi from mercedes and then bmw four makes of cars in the top five positions but it's advantage audi right here right now 13 hours complete plenty more to go there will be thrills there will be spills i think but i generally i would say johnny palmer that it's been a very very clean race and particularly tricky in the opening stint when it was super dusty out on the track. So driving standards have been uh, very high indeed. Who else is going to be making place changes? Much further down the field, we've got uh, some good little scraps. A couple of cars separated by just five seconds. That's in the, the Team Captain America car by Baz Kooten. That's car number 95. Grant Torquay, he's being caught just about by Sebastian Lejeune, who's racing for his own team. That's Seb Lejeune Racing by Dubo Racing. Just five seconds between them. Similar margin back to the chasing car. Well, Martin Ragginger, well, you'd expect him to fly. This time in a GT3 uh, Cup Class car, a Cup car, that is, a 992 Cup Class car. Uh, but the Austrian racer, very quick, and he should gradually close that gap. So we'll have, we had 10 seconds between three cars in that class, fighting over fourth, fifth, and sixth. No, sorry, it's eighth, ninth, and tenth in the 992 Cup class but Martin Ragginger give him a few laps he should be up with those ahead so there will be some overtaking you have to look for these little things because of course uh, you have a setback it doesn't mean the car's slow it just means it's been delayed and then you see drivers of that standard the standard of Martin Ragginger he's up ahead of a car that went very well, well early on we talked a lot about the wrap down by Fulgensi uh, Porsche the 971 particularly with Christopher Zirkling at the wheel he's back behind the wheel that's going very nicely indeed as well in fact I'd suggest almost the fastest car in the 992 Cup class at the moment. So a couple of cars have clearly been slightly delayed, but they are working their way forward. And the car, uh, a couple of places further back, haven't talked too much about Home Guard Motorsport, because of no. course, we're used to them running cars in the junior classes here, then, then recently they've been running cars in uh, TCR, trying the Porsche Cup, and they're uh, making a very good stab at that. So uh, Patrick Steen Rasmussen, the wheel at the moment, they're down in 14th place, but this is their race to gain experience. This is their year to gain experience, having stepped up a class and I'm sure we'll see them in a great deal, a great number of the other races of the 24H series through 2024. It'd be interesting to get a, a flavour of uh, Martin Ragginger's thoughts, actually, on uh, taking the step back to a Porsche Cup car. So often we see him at the Nürburgring Nordschleife in one of the full fat uh, factory team cars, the Falcon Motorsport crew. They're a factory tyre manufacturer, but they've also invested in the latest spec of Porsche GT3 machinery as well. 
shared on one occasion in the NLS recently with Nico Menzel and in fact did last year's uh, Nürburgring 24 hours with Nico, with Tim Heinemann and with Joel Eriksson as well. But I'm not sure when the last time Martin Ragginger had the opportunity to compete in a 24-hour race in a Porsche Cup car. I'm sure he's loving this with Neuhofer Rennsport having to adapt his usual GT3 driving style a little bit, but that will be second nature to the Salzburg man. Yeah, but, but you know, Martin's raced a lot around the world in Porsches, in the Porsche Carrera Cups, in Asia and other places. But one thing, one thing I rather forgot is the fact that he's um, done something not once, not twice, but quite a few times. He's raced something very different. He's been competing in Trans Am in the series in the States in 2023, 2022, and uh, before the pandemic in the uh, start of 2020 as well. So he's a driver of diverse talents, but we know he's very quick. But yes, having a crack in the Porsche Cup class, something a little bit different for him. But then anything 911 is something that very much gets his attention. So good pro, 35 years old and uh, doing a great job here. But he's got places to gain. That's precisely why he's in the car. Just noticed in this low level of ambient light that uh, on the sill of the number nine Mercedes, there's uh, a, a little bit of weather-worn, um, weather where the exhaust is. Yeah, it's glowing red hot on the right-hand side, but it looked like it was sort of glowing in places it perhaps shouldn't be on the left-hand side. I'm not sure whether that's anything necessarily to worry about, and I'd like a second glimpse of it before I fully decided that. But the cars obviously take on a completely different look in the nighttime hours. You also get the sparks kicking up very dramatically, as it just did coming out of turn number 11. It might be elements of the paintwork, actually, which are just flashing up because of the floodlighting but I just hope that the exhaust is not getting too hot on that left-hand side of the Mercedes, assuming it still, there still does have outlets there. Well, I think that's a really good spot. Just behind the number on the driver's left-hand door, there is certainly something glowing that doesn't appear to be on the right. I'm just wondering, is it external light? Oh, no, it's really quite uh, very hot indeed under there. It doesn't seem to be slowing. Uh, the driver who's only just taken that over, which is uh, Fabian Schiller. He was the driver who really starred in the opening stage of the race. Dropped back a little bit as the 83 Proto Nuba competition Porsche came through, but uh, certainly one of the fast handful. What's his best lap? His lap time last round? Two minutes three. That's ballpark time. Not bad at all. Settling into his run. Could go faster, but it's interesting. So early in the stint. Maybe, the, again, we've talked about this before, Johnny. When the cars serve their pit stops, there's a lot of heat contained under that. And maybe things have become a little bit superheated. And maybe with a few more laps, it would have cooled down with the airflow here to a temperature where it's not glowing as much. But by golly, that's a good spot for me. Yeah, there is a glow on the other side. The aperture, you know, where, where the gases are escaping. But it's just a slight concern to me that further up the car on the left side of the sill, there's uh, there are even more glow, but uh, mm. you've got to imagine that the design of this Mercedes AMG, which is now well into its second iteration, has taken that into account. You know, so I don't think there's any danger of any bodywork starting to catch fire or starting to flame. And, and to be honest, the number of pit stops I've seen where there's a brake fire breaking loose and the mechanics don't even blink; they're just like, yeah, it just does that, uh, and, and it's not a big drama to us because as soon as the car's rolling again, it will extinguish itself. So we don't need to be concerned about that right now, but these these little elements that you don't necessarily spot in the daylight. No, exactly so. I mean, he could have been doing exactly the same in, through, for hours upon hours when the race was in the dark, you know, before True. it came in the dark. Six o'clock was when darkness fell. 
driver change is still going on, but it's quite nice. <laughs> when you work down the pit lane, you have long periods of not much happening, and then you get a natural pattern where the drivers come in. Then the whole thing gets interrupted if there's a code 60, when it's busy, but there isn't the sequence. But just right now, very, very few cars in the pit lane. So 902, that's the car we were talking about, Home Guard Motorsport, so their first experience in the 992 class. So she's making a very good stab of it, I must say. Cars looking very sharp with their, the Sonax race livery. So Patrick Steen Rasmussen brought that in. Marcus Finkerhock still leading the race. He got up to two minutes uh, advantage. It's now two minutes and four seconds. Just at a lap of two minutes one flat. So again, Marcus, as soon as the traffic isn't in front of him, super quick. Now the 795 Ginetta of Toro Verdi, Freddie Tomlinson leading the GTX category, Ginetta G56 Cup car, and we can get this word from Chris Milbourne, who's back in the pit lane. Yeah, I've come across the AC Motorsport Audi RS3, and I've asked the garage, I've asked the team as well, but I think the best man to give us the answer is Kobe Powers, because you were behind the wheel when you came in. I've been told you don't know what the exact issue is yet. No, exactly, we are still trying to figure it out. Uh, we believe it's a power steering issue, but and we need to, to try to find where the issue comes from. Uh, it's not been an easy race for us so far. We've been very unlucky with Code 60. Damage in the first hour of the race. Uh, yeah, it's just really frustrating when you when you saw our performance in qualifying towards the, the other TCR cars. We we had brilliant pace. I, I put the car on pole with a very good lap. And to then see the uh, good results slipping away through our hands is uh, very frustrating. But I hope the team can find a problem and that we will still be able to get the car out again and, and at least finish the race. Now you were out on track obviously when this happened, did you feel anything wrong with the car that might indicate what could be the problem? No, totally not. I left out the pits, was code 60, we did a few times a pit stop for, for extra fuel. I came into the final corner and midway to D17 I, I lost the steering, uh, so yeah, nothing strange as well I felt before that. None of my teammates did, so yeah, just uh, trying to find the issue, but it will be hard. So we hope that you guys will get the issue sorted out soon enough for that. We'll hope to see you back on track later on. Thank you. Okay, we'll see. So that would explain why the team really didn't know what to expect when Kobe Powell's brought it in. As I commented, uh, Johnny, we saw the, the team bosses stand their hands on hips going, what, what, what? Because we've had no warning of anything. But if it was, again, with cars, you suddenly have a power steering problem. You don't seem to have it. And then you do seem to have it. And uh, to have it going through the final corner, meaning you have to do a further lap with a problem is uh, very, very frustrating indeed. But it wasn't their first problem in the race for AC Motorsport, but uh, real friends of the 24 Hours of Dubai. Let's hope they can get that sorted and keep going through the night. But uh, again, when you've got a young driver like Kobe Powers, he hasn't got loads of experience of endurance racing, and you could just see the frustration, whereas other drivers who've got a, a good decade under their belt will just go, it happens. Yeah. Often not your fault, invariably not your fault, but you've just got to learn to suck in and uh, hang in there for the next time you get going because certainly the class battle for them has gone away for them but they were very quick but contact in the opening hour of the race certainly set them back yeah and a question of sort of making sure that that is that's happened now we can't affect that and we move on with the next phase of the race and that's what Mulner have done so brilliantly well to this point they've known 
that they've been totally taken out of the fight within their category and very early on in the race. They caused the first code 60 after only an hour and 20 minutes with this intermittent uh, ignition problem. But then I love the fact that, and I'm pretty sure it was uh, uh, Bernie Mulner himself that Snowy went up to and said, is this car out? Are you going to just strike it? And he went, no, of course not. We're here for the 24 hours of Dubai. We might not compete for the, all of those 24 hours, but there's still 21 hours to race for. So this is not going to dampen our spirits. And that's precisely what, you know, the attitude that everybody else will be, should be taking, uh, even if an incident might put, park your car for an hour or two. You know, keep on pounding round if you can do. There are many stories we've had elsewhere down pit road that have unfortunately spelt the end of a race far, far too early. But great to have still 14 GT3 cars up where they should be. One or two other stragglers that are trying to keep the pace up. And uh, the other story we're trying to follow, actually, and this will be one for Chris Milbourne when you get the opportunity. CP Racing's Mercedes came in well over an hour ago now when Darren Law seemed to be going quite strongly and we still are yet to receive news on precisely why that Mercedes has been parked and whether it's likely to rejoin at any point. It might be that they're still feverishly working on it. However, you may go to that garage at CP and find nobody there. The Mad Max-esque number 13 Audi, purely because it's missing part of its front bodywork, uh, but it looks great in my eyes and that number 13 car is still ticking off the laps, Bruce. No, of course, it's really 138, but that bit of bodywork, that bit of, of the number has come <laughs> off with the bodywork on the other flank of the car, the, uh, TC, uh, the TCE class Audi, going very well indeed. But yeah, monsters in the early part of the race, bodywork damage, bodywork came off, not, no danger at all, and uh, Kambi Jundu has been doing a very long stint in this car, um, but he's got an advantage of nine laps in class over the SRS Team Saw Grensport Porsche Cayman. Now with uh, Benito Tagle at the wheel so looking comfortable but uh, not quite as it left the garage in the morning but uh, yeah, catches the eye looks like it's been intentionally mauled to look a little bit more aggressive I don't think it was intentional at all but uh, no, nobody worked flapping so that 138 Audi can continue upon its way, this is running in the TCE class, in the TCR club subcategory and it's hard to say at this time of night but uh, going very well indeed Fabian Schiller, 6.6 .6 seconds to the good over Ricardo Feller now and uh, definitely the German, the quicker of those two cars, Mercedes versus Audi. It's an Audi versus Porsche battle at the sharp end, which is firmly going the way of the R8 LMS. It's uh, always been a German manufacturer taking the win in this Dubai 24 hours. And I was looking up earlier on in the broadcast... Uh, the number of wins for each individual manufacturer. Is it Mercedes with the, uh, the most dominant? I've now completely forgotten the stats that I was looking up. Uh, yeah, I, I actually looked that up during the week, and I can't, I can't <laughs> find as well. Yeah, no, I mean, indeed, it, it, it's been German manufacturers all the way since it, 2006 that have been. But it what? feels like Audi have a few, a few years to make up on one or two of the others so uh, let me just get that correct data it is quarter past two in the morning folks so and we've been going for nearly five hours on this current stint i'm nearly there i'm nearly there so oh hold on i've got it in this, this file oh, no, under, under my arm oh okay well that will also not the overall figure but we, we'll just read through yeah so, so uh, well whilst we do that Let's hand to Chris Milbourne, because I know you're trying to chase the story on the 85 Mercedes. You may have other news too, though, from the pits. 
I do, I've got an update for 429, but before we do that, let's have an update from the 85. I've been told it's a transmission issue, but you've also told me that you're going to get back out there. Yeah, CP Racing guys did an awesome job. They uh, yarded that old gearbox out, and they got a brand new one back in it, and they're just doing the final touches now, so we should be back out in a few minutes. So who's going to be behind the wheel when you get back out there? Uh, I'll be in. I was I was all getting ready to put my helmet on, and uh, Darren was able, fortunately, to get it back to the pit, pit box here, and... Uh, yeah, it, uh, it's unfortunate. You know, we were having a great run, and, uh, you know, the preparation was top-notch. Everything was new, but, you know, that's racing. Mechanical things break, and endurance racing. I would say it's pretty impressive how the team managed to change the transmission in that short of a period of time as well. Yeah, I mean, they're the, the best guys. You know, I mean, everybody says their team's the best. These guys are the best. This is who you want to go into battle with. Everybody works. Everybody came and did something and, and, and got it done. So it's it's into my heart to see and it makes you smile well good luck with that and of course we'll see you on track in a few minutes time right yeah thanks so much and shout out to my daughter Evelyn it's her 15th birthday in Tampa Florida so I'm going to party missed it unfortunately but I know she's going to have a great time with thank you so much for talking to us and the update I have for you as well is for the 429 the BMW uh, M4 uh, unfortunately day over 429 out of the race. Thank you, Chris. And uh, yeah, um, the message to uh, Charles Espenlau's daughter, did you say? Daughter, Back home Evelyn. in Tampa. Tampa to Daytona is, I mean, it's Quite the same close. state. Yeah. There's a, <laughs> there's a cracking race going on at the moment, daughter of Charles Espenlau. A bit closer to home. You want to make sure that daddy's doing okay as well, I understand. But, you know, race fan. She could monitor what's going on here in Dubai from the high banks of Daytona. Just a little hint. I can't think of many 15-year-olds would forego a good party at home when you're 15 versus uh, going to a race meeting. You never know. A good point, yeah. And um, uh, maybe if she was that eager to go, she might have got tickets for Daytona rather than stay uh, back home at Tampa. But I'm sure she'd been glued to the Dubai 24 hours and every reason to send Chris to that part of the pit lane then, therefore, to get the latest news. Every credit to CP Racing, but also to the design work of that Mercedes as well, which has been refined and refined, and uh, the ability to change a gearbox, change, in fact, the full transmission at speed. Maybe Lamborghini can learn some tips regarding their fuel tank and how easy or hard it is to change that from Mercedes. Just saying. Now, manufacturer wins within this race. It's actually Porsche by one who lead Mercedes-Benz. So Porsche won this in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2014, 2017, and 2021. So that's a total of six victories versus the five that Mercedes-Benz have. And, and four for BMW, but they, they won the first two, set the ball rolling, got the third one in well, quite quickly. Well, that was more of a touring car race, wasn't it? It, it, it was, was. It was, yes. And it, my thoughts were that Audi... Yes, they're one of the four big manufacturers who have won this race, but they are the one with the shortest, with the slimmest amount of wins at three. Their last one two years ago, and the one prior to that was in 2019, but uh, they only won this race for the first time in 2016. There's not really a pattern to this, but they would dearly like to be on four wins by the end of this event to at least be level with BMW. Yeah, well, that first race was... a. a an E46 M3 GTR, so yeah, you could say sort of touring car-ish. But the next one, the following year, again, Duller Motorsport, again, Dieter Cuesta and Philip Peter, and they were joined by Dirk Werner and Jamie Campbell-Water 
mm. uh, BMW Z4 Coupe. Oh, it was okay. a faster M4, a handful of years later, 2011 for BMW's third win. That was Z4 GT3. That was a car run, need for speed, run for them by Schubert. That was very impressive. Wonderful rumble that car used to make. But, uh, you know, all along, the cars around them kept on changing. And um, BMW, uh, now obviously, the last few years with the M4 GT3. And it is a really, really good car. As I say, very few cars come into GT3 and hit the ground running and uh, get the balanced performance right and stuff. But it's, it's not just the balanced performance. It's the way the car performs through the course of a race. Through a 6-hour, through a 12-hour, through a 24 You've got to have a car that can work from the day through the cooler temperatures in the night and back into the day again and have that mechanical solidity that's required to go with the speed. So it's very, very difficult to shine instantly. But I must say the M4 GT3 has looked very handy since it uh, arrived a couple of years ago, about a year and a half ago, really. And the best place of those is the one for Century Motorsport with Jack Barlow. Car number 22, fifth place overall, lapping at decent race pace but at the moment the fastest car out there is actually Fabian Schiller but that's because he's at the front end of his stint a lot of the drivers around him including the driver not so far behind him Ricardo Feller have uh, quite deep into their stints in fact there have been code 60s so some of them have done in fact the car I'm talking about Century Motorsport they've done one hour 39 minutes in this stint and you'll feel Jack Barlow needs to come in for a drink and a biscuit in the car for a a spot of fuel would would think and uh, some fresh rubber yeah, so the lower order of the top 10 reaching the furthest that they can on their current fuel load. That immediately makes me want to check how close are the race leaders to the end of a fuel stint. Marcus Finkelhock has done 28. Remember, though, he's been in the car for longer than that because he did a four-lap stint, a single-lap stint, then two more, and then finally properly got into the swing of things. But that was all surrounding the latest code 60 that car is capable of doing 34 laps when Simon Riker was in command and that didn't involve any any code 60 bear in mind though that Riker's pace was not of the Marcus Winkelhock kind so obviously slightly slower on the average lap times is better for fuel burn as in you're going to get through less of your allocated fuel so Simon was doing 203s, the mid-203s, for 34 laps on average. Marcus Winkelhock way down in the 202s, a 202.1 to be exact, although the fastest lap in this stint was half a second quicker than that. But you would think, therefore, that Winkelhock's going to have to come in maybe after 33 laps, perhaps after 32 laps, and that is only three laps away from this point. Speaking of which, the second-place Audi of Sergei Borisov is in having only done 29 laps on this stint. But again, there's a slight grey area because he was in and out and in and out at the very start because of the Code 60. And better to err on the side of caution, really, in the middle of the night. You do not want your car stranded out on the back section of the circuit with zero fuel in the tank. Yeah, what is to be gained within that? simple answer is uh, the experienced teams don't allow their drivers to go into areas of... uh possible confusion in terms of when they need to come in err on the side of caution we've certainly had some races here in the 24 hours it runs metronomically after the first hour and a bit we thought this was doing quite nicely no Mm. coach 60 is about to say actually maybe 54 starters is actually quite a good number on this circuit not too many incidents at all but when that pattern gets broken up and then again how teams interpret or have the right degree of fortune during the timing of a code 60 you get the advantages extending and uh, contracting 
certainly right now, East Talent Racing just have not put a wheel wrong. Two minutes, 16 seconds to the good. Uh, of course, that gap is stretching because uh, the second-place car, the 83 Porsche from Proton Hope Cuba competition, is in the pits. In fact, it's not in the pits. It's now down to refueling. But Sergei Borisov did a very good job. I think it may yet get back out ahead of Fabian Schiller, but Schiller is the one that uh, pitted, or the number nine gets speed Mercedes pitted not so long ago. He's just under half an hour ago, so he's uh, getting up to speed in that car in third place. Will he move into second place? Possibly at this moment, but then it'll rotate again. Yeah, and uh, with so many moving parts within this, you know, you're almost sort of floating through the race within that timing screen and you have a, a vague area that probably the teams are happy to occupy sometimes it might be third sometimes second then back down to fourth but there's no there shouldn't be any knee-jerk reactions because well a lot of the teams will have uh, made sure they've got the the clever computer systems that are actually predict predicting on what we've had so far, where the car is likely to finish when the checkered flag is shown at one o'clock this afternoon. And uh, that's done by a clever series of blocks. So it's mapping out where your car's likely to pit compared to the cars in front and behind you. And then we'll sort of cleverly predict where you're likely to be at the finish. But that's if everything remains the same. <laughs> and so often in motor racing, it doesn't. I'm just hoping for the sake of the, the team strategists, including uh, Paul Truswell, legendary figure, his car for Red Camel's team, uh, Jordan, leading the 992 Cup. But soon, is it going to be race tactics by ChatGPT? There's my question. How soon? Or, or is it already happening? Is AI interpreting what's going out on the circuit? You, there are some smirk, people, you might wonder, but... There are some people that have posed the question that, you know, part of Paul Truswell is artificial intelligence. The There's original? Kind of, well, yes, indeed. <laughs> But there's some kind of computer chips incorporated in his body that are doing a lot of the work for him, and he just regurgitates some of that. I jest at nearly 2.30 in the morning. These are the sort of conversations we have on the Radio Show Limited Network, folks. Um, but, I mean, prior to all of this technology creeping in, which can potentially predict where you may be, Paul was doing it freehand. Uh, absolutely. And uh, <laughs> quite staggering. I mean... If you can imagine someone trying to learn to juggle, you just got that moment when you go into three balls. I mean, three balls would be nothing to Paul. You know, he, he likes a field of 50-plus cars, even if he's only concentrating on the other cars in class. Say a dozen. So many moving parts, as you said. So many things to be considered. But, again, it's experience, it's predictive ability, which is something that, uh, as we know, you look across the world, not all politicians have, it must be said. It's a good point. More pit stops, and this for, well, talked about the AC Motorsport Audi, which came in very, very slowly, and there was quite a heated debate going on in their garage, so that car remains, sadly, in pit lane. But TCE is still led by another Audi RS3 LMS of Kavi Jundu in the Simpson Motorsport offering, number 138, or number 13, as you look at it from the other side, because of some missing body panels and therefore part of the race number no longer there. Benito Targle for the SR, SRS Team Sorg Rensport Cayman. Uh, they're running second in TCE. And I noticed Dennis Retira in the Salasin by Cox racing car has just come in to pit lane. I say just. That's not another car that's been in the pits for a while, is it? Number 48. I thought that had been doing OK up until this point. The Cox racing car. Just checking... Which screen do I need for that? Uh, 
bear with me, listener. I think it's suggesting he's been in the pits for one hour, 26 minutes. Oh, blimey, So really? that would explain, yes, unless I've misinterpreted my screen. No, uh, OK. That would explain why he's tumbled right down the order. Dennis, very quick Dutch racer. Yeah, that was my concern, because... You know, chatting to Steph- Stephanie Cox, I'm not sure whether we've heard from, well, certainly well, whilst we've been on, on shift from Peter Cox himself, but um, all was going pretty well not too long ago. But the car in the pits, and yeah, up to nearly about 30 minutes now for that car that entered the pits just after, well, actually just after one o'clock local time, so it might be nearer two and a half hours now sorry one and a half one hours and a half, now no, that's, yeah. that's what it's listed as okay so one hour 27 minutes and 18 seconds yeah. to be precise interestingly I've got 26 minutes and 58 seconds on one part of my screen and then an extra hour bolted onto the front on another section anyway enough of that let's get back to Chris in the pits Apologies. Uh, again, we're in a situation where Chris is talking, but uh, I don't think he's getting to you, the listener. We'll work on that as the 961 is continuing on with its scheduled pit stop. I love the fact that a lot of the teams just kind of leap on the front of the car down at Fakhartu Tech uh, and the windscreen being cleaned. But this car showing the scars from an earlier battle when they were rapidly taping up the front right corner and it also had suspension issues on the front right corner of that car as well it yeah, looks the like body, the firmly body, in the past yeah the bodywork in, in, ahead of that front wheel on the right hand corner certainly looking a little bit tattered there and you can see the tyre contact you can see the, the burnt rubber uh, kiss on the side of that car very few cars get to this point in a race without some form of little body rubbing but I must say I still can't get over how they got around the opening lap of the race it's really hard if you were w- weren't watching the start to understand just how dusty the circuit was a sandstorm about 45 minutes before the start of the race and it kept on blowing every lap was different for the drivers but as they went three four even five abreast down to the first turn how they all got through I do not know so obviously a degree of caution from the drivers and as uh, it was Lawrence Tomlinson uh, Janetta boss pointed out to us it wasn't just the fact uh, it was there was very little grip it was the fact there was very little vision to be had with all the dust being kicked up and it stayed like that for quite some while so really good job at the start of the race the news from Chris Milbourne was that car 48 is out of the race and will not resume so that's the message that he was trying to get across to us. So that's another one, I'm afraid, that you can plunge across through from the black marker of doom. And uh, yeah, the graveyard in the back of the paddock, unfortunately, is rather increasing with no more action from the Salatin by Cox Racing Porsche to look forward to. They, the plan was always to load them up into the various containers and get them back onto that huge cargo ship to return them to wherever they need to be in places around Europe and further afield Um, it's just unfortunate for these teams that are already out of the race that they can start their packing much earlier than the runners that we still have and we'll be able to total up hopefully in the not too distant future how many cars are still running but we're easily now into double figures of retirees some of them are in the pits but not necessarily out completely. Oh, and CP Racing's Mercedes 
is now running again. Speaking of which, so Charles Espenland was giving it the big build-up uh, that the transmission change was nearly done, and I believe that is the outlap. Correct. Uh, for the first time in a long m number of hours for CP Racing back out onto the track, Bruce. Yep, I could have told you exactly how long they're in the pits, but now they're back on the track. I can't tell you because that, uh, they started a new stint of track time on that particular column, but I think they lost... No, let's not guess. They lost a long time, but then changing a transmission is never easy, but CP Racing got a huge amount of experience. Fallen way, way down the order. Bear in mind that was leading the GT3 AM class in... I think it was had moved up to fifth place overall, down into 40th now and has 280 laps on the clock. That's 51 laps, or maybe just 50, fewer than the race leader. Marcus Finkelhock, two minutes, now five minutes clear of the second-place car. But let's see, when's Finkelhock due in the pits? Has he's, oh, he's done one, minute 35, one hour and 35 minutes, so he'll be coming in uh, really very soon indeed. He's effectively an hour longer on the track than the car in second place, Fabian Schiller. So Fabian Schiller will gain some of that time back. just seems relentless whenever I check down the timing screen to see who's doing what in the 992 Porsche class. It's uh, always the 909 car from Red Camel Jordans. They've got 321 laps on the board. That gives them an advantage of now two and a half laps over... Well, how's this for a car coming out of the order? I haven't really talked too much about the Red Ant racing team, but it's Yannick Redan himself at the wheel of that. That's moved up into second place in the 992 Cup class. And third place is... This car's always there or thereabout. QMF... By MMF by HRT it's a local team Q80 team actually that's leading 992 AM in third overall in the G in the 992 class so going very well Abdullah Al Ali Al Khilafi at the wheel of that at the moment that's always been in the battle but uh, certainly going very well indeed for them but good to have the CP Racing Mercedes back out onto the circuit and uh, sounds so Charles Esprit has got that rumbling along very, oh, very nicely indeed uh, just getting up to speed this time around. So always you've just got to check those first few laps out. You've got to just have a little in hand to be able to listen, feel how it's handling, get some heat back in the tyres. Uh, knowing how Charles Espenlaub drives, I think he would struggle with the tippy-toe approach, but I'm sure the team have said, you know, we've changed everything. There are no spares still on the garage floor, so if nothing's been missed in terms of those crucial bolts and screws yeah. that go back in... Oh, hang on a minute, what's this? No, they, yeah, that, they, they, all the T's are crossed and the I's dotted uh, down at CP Racing. But nevertheless, you know, when you launch your way down into turn number one and start to pull through the gears through that sequence, or particularly on the back straight coming out of nine, and you're stressing that brand-new gearbox... There'll be a moment of apprehension, I'm sure, for just that single outlap. I remember my father always told me the first time he rebuilt an engine there were three spare parts when he'd finished doing it. The next time he did it was rather better. There's still two parts left over. So <laughs> strip it back down, find out where they were. Oh, well. Yeah. And at the fourth attempt, you haven't got a clue <laughs> where anything goes. And your brain is completely fried. Uh, Jack Barlow's in the pits in the number 22 BMW with this... Uh, I wasn't sure how to take this paint scheme initially, but it's very much growing on me now at Century Motorsport. Um, it's not exactly that every single uh, panel on the car is a different colour, but each panel is about five different colours in one, but it really does flow quite nicely down the car with a diagonal blue stripe at midpoint and a nice bit of car control there from the new driver to uh, 
use the power from the rear wheels to sort of drag it around a car that was parked immediately in front of the BMW M4. So a semi-drift to get it back into the fast lane. Yeah, I think that was possibly Jake Rattenbury just taking that one over. We'll see when it gets out of the uh, refueling area. And... uh, reason I said that, I thought I spotted a Welsh dragon flag on his helmet and Jake's from Cardiff, so that might be a, a decent enough guess. Or again, at this time, late in the race, in the second half, my eyes might have been, been slightly fried. Wonderful rumble, and the uh, T. Parker racing Bentley trying to get going a little sooner than it was expected to by the person with the lollipop, so the lollipop came back down, brought in by Rob Huff, remarkably good stint from him. Is it Rob who's staying in for a double stint? May well be, but again, as almost all the others after a regular pit stop, they don't get on the track very quickly to go into the refueling area. Just waiting to see if the Bentley's turning in. Yes, it is turning right to go into the refueling area at the exit of the pit lane. And then we'll find out if it's Rob on board or not. But certainly that was a good stint. He got the, the fastest lap of the race for that car. Two minutes, 0.3 seconds. So one of the very quickest. We've only had three cars going under two minutes. So uh, that's put the Bentley right, probably up to, I think, fourth fastest lap in the race. So, uh, yeah. Elements of pride there, I think, for Rob Huff in that stint. Very strong indeed. Nico Verdonk's going rather well in the repaired Fuck Autotech Porsche, now having just done that car's best lap of the race. So a 206.110, and he goes green once more through the first sector of the very next lap. So the Belgian looking strong in the 961 car. Nico driven a lot in Aston Martins hasn't he in recent years but uh, back into a Porsche for this particular race and Marcus Winklehock now in the fueling area Jack Barlow got there just before him but remember that BMW is laps down on the race leading East Talent racing team Audi and car collection motorsports car was in the pit lane is now in the fueling area after Mark Valenvine brought his number 96 Porsche into the pits so you get a lot of period of quiet where not a lot was happening in the pit lane at all and then all of a sudden this flurry not prompted by a code 60 on this occasion but purely because so many cars are desperate for fuel and you bet to hope that there there is a free fuel pump a vacant fuel pump down in the quadrant if not might be in that situation again where cars are waved by and that becomes very very costly because they have to pit on not one but two separate occasions I just have to modify something I've said I don't hate it when it happens it just happens but in fact I think we've actually now had five cars lapping under uh, the two minute mark I'll tell you which ones they are the race leading 54 Audi East Talent Racing Team 1 minute 59.8 seconds 1 minute 59.3 seconds that's Fabian Schiller, Get Speed Mercedes in second place. I think that's the fastest lap of the race. 1 minute 59.5, Proton Huber Porsche, number 83. That would be Sven Muller who set that time. Further down the order, but also under two minutes, Mathieu Detri. Don't forget that number 21 Audi from House RT was at the sharp end of the field, running in second early in the race, so it's, that's not too surprising. And I thought I spotted a fifth one, maybe at this late stage in the race my eyes just aren't working as they should but as we said so fifth fastest lap is the one set by Rob Huff in that Bentley in that most recent stint car in the refueling area but I I sense we've had a various driver changes we'll check a little bit more when the cars get back out onto the track again still still waiting for Marcus Winkelhock to reappear and could be very likely a different driver anyway 
Father, what we want to check, yes, indeed, it was Jake Rattenbury going out into fifth place. He's on the outlap in the Century Motorsport. Number 22, the sister car, Sean Galell, has had a fabulous stint. It was in 11th place, got to 10th. Actually, has got to 6th place, Sean Galell, but he's in refueling. He'll drop down the order a bit. So we are 18 minutes away from three in the morning where Bruce Jones and me, Johnny Palmer, will be knocking off for a little while again. But in the meantime, Chris Milbourne sticking with us and has more news from the pits. I do, and I've got Marcus Winkelhock with me to come in from the lead of the race. Now, Marcus, that was a mammoth thing he just did there. The most important question I've got for you here, is Audi going to have their fourth victory at the end of this 24-hour that's why we are here. That's what we are aiming for. Um, there's still some hours to go, but uh, in the moment it looks not too bad. Car's running well, but as I said, you know, it's like just like after half time of the race. So uh, we have to focus on our job now, uh, driving fast without any mistakes, um, hoping for some some luck with the strategy and the code 60 stuff. Um, but in the moment it looks quite okay. It's good fun to drive. So I'm I'm motivated and I'm looking forward for getting in the car next time. So when are you back behind the wheel? Sorry? When are you, back, when are you next back behind the wheel? Uh, around three hours, I guess. Now it's uh, Shield in the car, then Christopher, um, then Simon, and then, and then it's my turn again. So it's around three hours. Right, thanks so much to us. Go have a well-deserved break. So, yeah, superb stint there, as it was at the start of the race from Marcus Winkelhock. We come to expect these things. A big grin almost uh, there was a slight bit of bead of sweat on the brow there but otherwise looking very very fresh and he'll look even better after three hours of kip assuming that's where he's heading for now and that's a sensible thing to do at nearly three o'clock in the morning here in dubai but that was a 36 lap stint the best lap of the 36 with a two minutes point six but the average far more impressive for me because he was on the nose 202s wow. when you when you add them all up together divide by 36 a 202.041 was the average lap and there's not a lot better than that um certainly as far as the drivers he was up against during that very mammoth effort but it's also when you see a car that the next driver gets on board, you realise it's another hot shoe. I mean, Jill Magnus did a great oh, yeah. job on his previous stint. And, and with Christopher Hassel also driving that car, it's a really, really promising lineup, And they're delivering at the moment. So it's about not making mistakes as long as they're going around at decent pace. And that seems to be a formula that's working very well for them. So they've got to keep it going. Mike Zhu is the remaining driver in that car. No way is he as quick, but he's got three teammates like that. He could be looking at the top step of the podium. And even more fearsome than the walk up the steps at the end of the race is the chance for the drivers who are in the winning car to travel to the podium, or the foot of the podium, on a camel. One lump or one hump or two. <laughs> yeah, that's been the tradition for many, many years, possibly from the first ever Dubai 24 hours. It is, as far as I know, a unique way of reaching the podium or did they do it last weekend at Gaz Marina probably not uh, but uh, this is the the bigger of the two events the Abu Dhabi six hours is gaining momentum no doubt but this is the long established one and uh, previously when we've had two races in one actually six camels required when there's been a, an outright TCE podium as well but that has been changed for 2024 we still have races within a race don't get us wrong but uh, it will be one overall podium for this 54 car field 
Yeah, certainly uh, when this race, I mean, it's multi-class now, but when it was multi-multi-class, I mean, the podium ceremony went on until deep into about midweek, it seems, because uh, you had the various categories and then the various subclasses in those categories. And uh, for whoever who is handling uh, the podium ceremony, at the end of a 24-hour race, just <laughs> it would go for a good hour, wouldn't it? Yeah. We'd have packed up most of the equipment from the from the commentary box and the kit down in the pit lane and <laughs> we're still churning it out but uh, anyhow but you can see the joy everyone getting up on the podium any 24 hour race we talked about this before Johnny to get a, get a trophy but just to finish it you yeah. know, is, is, is phenomenal and this race throws so many things at them hopefully through these cooler hour, hours of the night we get towards 3 in the morning you know the conditions are a little more stable little calmer and and people also go into their sort of night pattern but the fact half the race is in darkness you know you can't just go we'll just go a little bit gently through the night because it's half the race you've you know still got to be really cracking around sean lynn by the way was the driver who took over from rob huff we had to wait quite a while i didn't i don't think i reported that when he came out of the refueling so the guy the man who's put the money down to buy not one but two bentley continental gt3s to add to his phenomenal stable of cars he's got a most fantastic uh, Ford GT40. Tessie is the number plate on that one. And uh, that is a frequent racer at uh, the all sorts of uh, historic uh, races. The Goodwood Revival, the Spa Six Hours. And it's great to see these cars being raced. That's what they're built for. True. We don't want them tucked away. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you were of any particular age in, 90, in the mid-1960s when Ford was trying to get those GT40s to work before they got those four wins at Le Mans. They're still some of those pivotal cars in motor racing history. And it's lovely when you see fans who might be, you know, eight, ten years old going, I've never said, what is that? And then they find out about the history and go, oh, impressive. And the good thing for Sean Lynn, he's had a very successful business career. And so he's in the position he can buy the cars he likes. And, and so many times, almost everybody you ask about their favourite car, it's normally a car they looked at in childhood. Yeah, and it became yeah. so or, important to them. Or for the kids of today, they may have been bought a model of you know, a historic racing car that so they've never actually seen in the flesh. And it's down to people like Sean Lynn who keep those memories going for, for the modern motor racing enthusiast as well. Now we've got dramas at the first corner on the exit of Turn 1 with the 902. Ma- yeah, Home Guard Motorsport. Grant Donaldson is the driver who's looped it around. The lights are on. But it's going nowhere. Is he just waiting to be flagged back onto the circuit? I think he'd have moved by now if that was the case. Can't quite see it in the cockpit. See, there's lights in there. You're now starting to see a bit of steam coming out from the side of the car and flames at the rear. But if you can get it going, these would be the sort of flames you've been talking about, Johnny. No one really cares about them too much. But outside turn one, you do need a bit of air travel. He's got it going. Good. Thank goodness. Always looks easy. You just fear that he's going to catch. I mean, I'm talking about the flames. He's going to take the shortcut back to the pits. He's a cut through. No, he's not. He's just keeping out of the driver's way because don't forget, the driver's arriving in turn one at great pace coming down the hill, slightly unsighted. So he got out of their way, went onto the slower side of the circuit, and now he's uh, stepping on it, getting up to pace again. So Home Guard Motorsport stepping up to the Porsche Cup class this year. And at 10 minutes to three in the morning, I suppose everyone's allowed a little incident. Didn't delay them too much. And good race officiating there as well because the Home Guard car of Grant Donaldson given ample time to restart the engine and then safely rejoin as well, aided, of course, by the marshals who were waving, frantically waving yellow flags on the approach to Turn 1, but we could very easily have gone into a caution period there, which automatically means, you know, probably a minute or two at the very minimum of people heading around the track at 60 kilometres per hour, but a full caution avoided. The yellows came out at... uh, 
two hours or two o'clock 48 minutes and 39 seconds and within a minute and a half maybe just less than that we were back to green all very good indeed right i just didn't have the confidence when talking about sean lynn to confirm what else he had <laughs> uh, luckily peter snowden down at the, at the circuit has just gone for the fact he also has two bentley speed eights in his collection oh, and if yes. you look at sean lynn's racing helmet he normally has a bit of a livery of each of the cars that he races on his helmet and it's a, a connection of the great and the good across the decades put it that way so thank you very much snowy and uh, Phil Anson about to go back in the commentary box and he's just pointed out you were quite right there were no camels to get the drivers to the podium at the Ass Marina last weekend it was just Joe and Nick piggybacking the drivers there <laughs> which is, is very good I mean six hours of racing they've still got that level of performance and not a Quasimodo amongst them so no, no humps to worry about there no one um, not so sure uh, well, you know, I was trying to be kind mind you they're not listening are they they're far too busy with uh, the other race taking place this weekend, RS2 IMSA Radio, if you want to tune in to that and this at the same time, you might need two computers or two of the Radio Show Limited players open at once. Will it do that? I've never tried it, actually, but yeah, I suppose two different windows or two different uh, internet uh, search engines on the go. Yeah, a big, large screen where you can position them if you've got a huge monitor. Yeah. And uh, you might need two sets of headphones cleverly positioned on your head or just, uh, you know, a speaker bank on the left, speaker bank on the right in your room of choice. Um, the Bentley Speed 8, not yet available in GT3 format, but uh, there's a project for Sean Lynn. <laughs> Could you do some sort of cannibalisation of, uh, you know, the, the Continental and the Speed 8 to put a massive rear wing on the back, or is that just sacrilege? No one would notice. It's sacrilege <laughs> with a capital S, Johnny, okay. quite frankly. Now, just noticed a message pointing out that maybe 902 didn't spin on its own. 937 under investigation for, for potential contact. That's Alexander Boltoff, SMP Racing. Well placed in the 992 Cup class. That's 937. It's in sixth overall. Grant Donaldson was uh, further down the order, but we'll keep an eye on that one. We've only got ten minutes until, well, eight minutes until we step away, so that may not be sorted out uh, before we uh, stand down for a short while, but it's certainly under investigation at the moment. And 937 has just been given a 15-second time penalty. There we have it. That was a, a quick answer mm. for causing a collision. So 9, 902, you are exonerated, Grant Donaldson. You obviously lost a bit more time than the car that may have uh, given you a little push down into Turn 1, but uh, that has picked up a 15-second penalty. And alas for Grant, it would have possibly flat-spotted his tyres a bit with the rotation, it took longer than 15 seconds to get going, so he's had the bigger penalty, but at least some form of recompense has been issued to the 937 SMP racing crew. In the 99 Attempto Racing Audi, I say this with slight reservation, but we now have Dylan Pereira in that car, and I'm missing a little bit of data from the start of the race, but I reckon that's Dylan's first stint of now a race that's over half distance into it. Unless he started the car. But I don't remember that no. he did in the 99. No, I don't so, think he did. But i tell you one thing that's just drawing my attention at the moment. No, but, that car was started by Alex, Ar Alex Arca Jr. OK. So we've had, we had Alex in for a, a good chunk of the early stages. Sergei Titarenko did what turned out to be a three 
he was the third, he was yeah he was the second driver and then a triple uh, stint, I should Andre Mukasov and then it was a long time into until Ricardo Feller got into the car yes he was so they've kept two of their hottest drivers there just want to say though we've got a battle in GT4 we need to look at because uh, only two cars remaining in class 496 it's a Toyota from Continental Racing by TTR but it's been caught by Hugo Cook in the AGE MC Racing Team uh, M4 GT, bear in mind, GT4, bear in mind we had two of those cars in the race, but one of them, the Piers Johnson Century Motorsport car, has uh, it's over and out for them, but just 2.2 seconds between the GT4 runners, so it's uh, shaping up very nicely under cover of darkness. Terrific first sector time for Gilles Magnus, even quicker than anything that Marcus Winkelhock has offered in the same car, the 54 East Talent Racing Audi, a 39.6. Let's hope he didn't shortcut any corners whilst obtaining that sector one tie. Slightly more, um, slightly slower effort through sector two. As again, not wanting to burn through the tyres too readily in the early part of the stint, and likewise, burn too much fuel either. It needs to be a measured pace over these just over an hour long stints. I was just talking about the GT4 battle. Wanted to get a view of the Toyota leading the class and he was suddenly passed down the start finish straight on either side by a couple of GT3 runners. That, yeah. And tucked in behind you've got one of the Century Motorsport cars. It's the number 22 uh, car that's in fifth place overall, the BMW of Jake Rattenbury. So the GT4 runner, he was in shot fleetingly. Couldn't quite see how close the challenge was from behind. We know the previous lap it was 2.2 seconds. It remains at 2.2 seconds. But for Vasily Vladikin, oh my word, that was an exciting moment. Getting his, uh, getting his ears boxed is often a phrase I like to utter because you only get surrounded by, well, similar cars on that occasion. The 6.2 litre V8 in the front of those Mercedes. That will certainly grab your attention at 5 to 3 in the morning. I still always think of it as the Ricardo Zonta moment, that famous Belgian Grand Prix where he had uh, Michael Schumacher going to his, le his uh, left and uh, Mika Hacken and two wheels on the grass in the McLaren, passing the pair on the right-hand side. And you can imagine Mika's heart rate probably fluttered up to 40 beats a minute at that point. <laughs> so laid back. Yeah. Yeah, just... Uh blinked once or maybe not even that and uh, continued to pound round I just used to love interviewing Mika, sometimes he'd only offer you three words and at first you thought if you just analysed the words they were really dull but if you looked to where his eyebrows went he was having a little game with you, you know <laughs> nothing was ever exciting for him but uh, his sense of humour got better and better across the decades particularly once he stepped out of the car and he's now, you know, he's not exactly garrulous but he's much closer than he ever was before. Yeah, agreed uh, a chance to come out of his shell uh, in later years so three and a half minutes away from the top of the hour at which point we will have a shift around in the global broadcast centre and uh, a little bit more from Phil Anson and Chris Milbourne will be joining him within the global broadcast centre with Peter Snowden taking over in Pitt Road in fact uh, Snowy is already settling in and has just sent me a picture of a rather large gearbox that he very nearly tripped over easy to do at this time of day thankfully disaster avoided at least for now 340 laps in the book for Gilles Magnus and uh, has a lead of just over a minute from the get speed Fabian Schiller Mercedes and it's Sven Muller in the Proton Uber competition Porsche and just before Chris Milbourne hot-steps it uh, through the tunnel and up the stairs to join Pete, uh, Phil Anson 
in the commentary box. We'll hear this from him in the pit road. I'm here with the Intento Racing Garage and, of course, with Ricardo Fella. You are one of the quicker of the two drivers. And, of course, with the Audi that you currently have under your feet, well, obviously, you're in the garage at the moment, but you'll be getting back in the car soon enough. You could be one of those cars, the Audis, to make it four wins. Do you think you have the strategy here? Do you think it will work out for you towards the end of the race? Yeah, um, we have to see at the moment uh, the gap is quite big. We came here to, to win. Uh, but now it looks very difficult, but uh, in the end I would be also very proud of the team. Uh, if we could maybe manage uh, a podium, so uh, yeah. Let's see how it goes, we need some luck, we need some code 60s and then uh, we should be back in the fight. Well, we still have, what, 10 hours to go, there's plenty of time for all that stuff to happen. When are you getting back behind the wheel? Uh, yeah, we'll be next again, so round one to one and a half hours probably. Thank you so much for talking to us. I know I probably woke you up from a nap there, so I'll let you get back, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, so there's a chance, again, if it's not to be the 54 crew, then perhaps Attempto Racing with Audi's fourth victory at this event. Santelok Junior team just a bit too far back with the Merafina family, but they are in seventh place. Santelok probably thought that the stronger effort may come from the 18 car, particularly as that took pole position yesterday but it faded fairly early on with uh, the steering issues creeping back in that Pierre Kaffer felt during qualifying and they were felt again for Sven Herberger Sven was fairly optimistic at the time that the car might be able to be repaired but it turned out that it was out moments after that particular interview so we're nearing the end of our stintful stop, Bruce, on uh, this year's 24 Hours of Dubai. It's been uh, quite an event so far, the 19th edition, with some big incidents causing lengthy code 60s. But uh, I'll say this with some trepidation, you know, 54 in a good spot right now, and they've found their rhythm. Yeah, certainly have a really, really strong driver lineup. But here we are, 10 hours remaining in the race. The battle in GT4 class, we might be talking about 33rd and 34th overall, but they're first and second in class, separated by six tenths of a second. The Toyota Supra's been in front for a very long time, but even within a 54 car, car starting field, you can have these scraps, you know, 14 hours into the race. It's great. So many stories within the overall story, but right now I say. East Talent Racing just seem to have the form. They seem comfortable at the top of the race. But uh, get speed Mercedes, they've got some quicker drivers, they've got some slower drivers. They're still in the mix. And whenever Sven Muller gets in the 83 Proton car, he absolutely flies. He's in third place, the 83 Porsche. So three manufacturers, all German, all duking it out at the front of the race. I think we leave the race in good form. Three in the morning. There are ten hours to go at the Dubai 24 hours for 2024. And Bruce Jones and Johnny Palmer now leaving the Global Broadcast Centre to leave you in the capable hands of Phil Anson. Thank you very much, Johnny and Bruce. Go and get a well-earned rest. And there, uh, we, all, we had the change for the lead. It swapped back again in Turn 1. This is a GD4 battle. Um, the, the, the silly Vladkin in the Continental Racing by TTR, the local-based team here. And up behind it is the BMW AGMC racing by Simpson. Hugo Cook at the wheel of that one. These guys had a great battle down at the Yas Marina circuit. Cruelly, the uh, 496 got uh, caught out by the Code 60s and uh, was leading that pack, uh, leading that uh, category as well. As uh, this battle continues on. 
24hourseries.com is where you'll get all of the information you need. Live timing, live vision. This is Porsche just got in the middle of that battle. But the Super stays in front. And you can also catch us um, live on RS1 on the radio show network of channels. If you want to switch over to Daytona um, on that one, RS2 IMSA Radio. Catch John Heindorf and the team over there as that continues on. Hashtag this is endurance for all of the socials as the battle with under 10 hours to go now continues on between the BMW and the Supra. The BMW about 100 kilos heavier than the Supra. Let's head down to the pit lane. I found a man, Patrick Heisman. Uh, your CV is incredibly long. The amount of races that you've probably won around the world is even longer than that. It's great to see you here. and You, you seem to be loving it today. Yeah, it's good fun. I did this race uh, twice, like uh, the last time, 10 years ago. Uh, so I always wanted to come back, and this year I had a good chance to do it. where we won the category so let's hope we have a good result here as well well you're getting there we still got 10 hours left on the clock so still plenty of time to rise up through the ranks what's the strategy going on here for you guys well just staying alive staying out of trouble uh car wise we're doing well car is doing very well uh, we had some minor issues with radio and drink system and stuff like that uh which works sometimes sometimes it doesn't work so that's uh a bit of a problem but mechanically the car is fine so we're just driving circles. Thank you so much for talking to us. Have a good one. Thank you very much, Chris Milbourne, doing a stonking stint down there in the pit lane. Now the battle for GT4 continues on. GT4 battle continues on up towards turn at number 12. Half a second in that one. To Bami, 20 degrees here in Dubai at uh, uh, 3.04 in the morning. Temperature hasn't dropped as much as we thought. A lot of stands still in the air keeping the temperature up. And... Uh, temperature up definitely in this GT4 battle as Johnny did say the continental racing by TTR had been leading this category for a long time and over a lap on the BMW but uh, they've both I think done yes they both have done 16 stops at, at the moment stint time 148 for, for Vasily Vladikin in the uh, Toyota and just over an hour for Hugo Cook in the BMW so they can probably run out um, uh, Vasily can probably run out close to the two hour before he's going to have to box now they are speaking with uh, Craig Thompson the head on show at TTR saying that they will definitely have to do a brake uh, a disc change on this car even though it is a uh, you know 
GT4 uh, version, but uh, they said the, the Supra is really heavy on brakes and they will be doing a rotor change on that. When are they going to do it? I don't know, but uh, we will have people in the pits finding that out for us. Sven Muller can, uh, but continues to hunt down Fabian Schiller. Just a, a minute separating them on track at the moment, the 9 and the 83. Charles Wagner still leads the way. One minute, 17 seconds of difference between him and Fabian Schiller in the Get Speed Mercedes. It's a good run so far for the Easterland racing team. So where's uh, Bruce and Johnny handed over? We had up to nine code 60s. The last code 60, the 429, the uh, second BMW in the GT4. That was the uh, impact, the barrier at turn seven. We've got a yellow out at down at turn one. We had a spinner there just before I came there as well, and that was an impact. And uh, some penalties being applied. Just a quick um, wrap over to the plenty, uh, penalties. And uh, the speed limit in the refueling area, 20 kilometres an hour down there for the number 17. That's George King in the MRS GT Racing Porsche, currently fifth in the AM and uh, 15th overall they will have a 10 second penalty to uh, deal with that and uh, as we know multiple penalties can uh, be served checking out the race lead changes for the lead at this time. Lap 345. The 226 has had this lead now since lap... Oh, sorry. Um, the, the 54 has had this lead now since lap 226. Now, this is a very long stint in the lead. And uh, rescinded it to the Hass RT and get speed. Who are currently running in second position. Supra still hanging on to uh, the lead. The attack is coming. From the BMW. They make their way up to turn 12. Vortex has been having its issues. Currently down in 32nd, third in the GTX category. 318 laps completed by the 2.0 Vortex. Moving a little bit further down the field. And that's the Toyota into the pits. The TTR Toyota, uh, Continental Racing by TTR coming into the pits. Hour 52 on the clock for Mercedes. Remember, they've got a two-hour maximum drive time. 
So he stretched that one all the way out, and the BMW inherits the lead from that. Hugo Cook's got about another 55 minutes or so that he can be behind the wheel of the BMW. That battle, I don't think, has been done. RPM Racing's um, affiliate Hamprecht has just set his personal best of the night, and he's done it again at 2.04. Uh, 928, 56 seconds behind um, Paul Major in the in the Fark Auto Tech Porsche. The RPM Racing Car 907 currently running fourth in the AM category, seventh outright in 992. Jamie Day in the HRT Performance putting in his fastest um, sector one for the meeting, running down there in ninth in 992. Get speed car has come in from second position. Fabian Schiller in to the pits. And Freddie Tomlinson also into the pits. Um, in the car leading the GDX category, the uh, G56 Janetta from Toro Verde. Around 334 laps completed for that car. It's been leading that category for quite some considerable time now. It's got a, quite a few laps over, over the 714, second in GTX. Daniel Drexel in the uh, Razoon more than racing. Uh, have a look at where the TCRs are at the moment and it's Simpson Motorsport leading the way in TCR. Nader Zahua, local driver at the wheel of the 138, 37th overall but leading that category. Second in the TCR is a, another Audi from AC Motorsport. A few positions behind on the road. It's keeping an eye on who is where because we have lost a considerable amount of cars. Um, one right at the very beginning, the like at uh, Lamborghini didn't even make it out there. A fuel issue um, made them remove the gearbox and the engine as the Lotus heads into the penalty box. So uh, they didn't come out. And then the, the other car on the front row, the Santa Locker uh, Junior Racing Team, out at uh, lap 88 with a power steer steering failure. They had that in the uh, practice session on Friday. They fixed it for qualifying, but it came back on lap 88. The Herbeth Motorsport car, they had that crash at turn one. And uh, too much damage to the shell. And uh, they retired. Gearbox change for the um, 85 CP Racing. They're back out there again, but they did lose a massive amount of positions. Really unfortunate, as we heard earlier on from Stewie Hall about Dragon Racing um, with uh, their issues. And uh, they'll be all set to go. They'll be right to go next weekend. They have two of these cars here, and uh, they're getting set up for the Asian Le Mans series coming your way. The, the Salison by Cox Racing is out as well, the 48. 
It's a very good morning, Mr. Snowden. Oh, loving life up in the commentary box at the moment. Yes. Just living the best version of your life. Well, another gentleman living the best version of his life is a gentleman standing right next to me here. And viewers and listeners will be familiar with this, this uh, identity here. Mr. Christopher Haas, who's driving the, the entrance Audi. Christopher, you're doing your, your usual sterling job and just seem ultra relaxed about it all. Well, um, I mean, we are here for racing. We love racing. Um, and at the moment right now, it's working pretty pretty good for us. Uh, the car is running, running very smooth. The team is doing a great job, giving us all the confidence also to be relaxed. Um, but still, it's roughly 10 hours to go. So many things can go wrong. Many things can go right. But we keep trying to stay out of trouble. Well, that, that's one of the keys to endurance racing, isn't it? Staying out of trouble and staying out of the pits. And that's all about it, and this is the most difficult part of it. And how, how long have you been with the, the Entlander? What, what's the story behind the team? Well, I raced with them the first time in 2023. Um, it's a new team from Austria. Um, yeah, and they want to perform. We like Austrian teams. It's good, good that. Well, yes, I'm, I'm from Germany. On the, I'm close to the German border to Austria, so we know each other pretty well. And uh, what, what, what was the story behind setting the new team up, and what, why did you go and drive for them? Did they, they pay you enough? Well, <laughs> um, I'm an Audi Sport driver. They got an Audi Sport R8 LMS, so that's the match. And how, how long have you been driving the, the app with Audi Sport now? Well, I'm an official Audi Sport driver since 2011, so for quite a bit. I, I, I thought it, I didn't realize it was that long, 2011, so... Your, your, your diet, it's in your, in your veins now. It definitely is. It definitely is. Tell, tell me you drive a nice, a nice Audi road car as well. I, th I do. Um, I'm driving on the road an Audi A6 hybrid. And to be honest, I really enjoy this car quite a lot. We don't need to drive anything fast on the road, do you? You'll get, you'll get your kicks on the track. Exactly. I mean, I have a monster here to drive with the V10 on the back, and it's just lovely. Yeah, keep your license on the road. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. Christopher, thank you very much. Best luck for the best of the race. You're in the right position at the moment, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Thank you very much, Snowy. And uh, the Toro Verde G Ginetta G56 has done that pit stop. Nico Pross uh, back behind the wheel, 18th overall, still with a comfortable lead in the GTX category. And the Get Speed car, Dominic Bauman, on his outlap after their pit stop. So we've had pit stops for uh, quite a few of the... Uh, he's just on his way out there. Dylan Pereira at the wheel of the 99 Attempto racing car now moved up into third position because he had the pit stop for the number nine. Dylan's got a massive amount of history around here in the uh, Porsche Cup Middle East series before he moved over to the Porsche Super Cup series and became a uh, multiple champion of that in the pits at the moment. Christopher Zuckling in the 971, rubbed down fourth by a Fulgenzi car as uh, the local entry. Um, this will be, I think, their fourth race. And that started in uh, 22 
um, with that car down at um, the six hours of Abu Dhabi. BMW GT4 and uh, uh, the the 438 is in the pits as well. So they're they're counter punching with the uh, 496, which uh, came in before them. Yes, Mr. Snowden. Well, we thought we'd mix it up a bit here, going from uh, the very very fast Audi driver Christopher Haas to a gentleman that's just said to me, he's got a great quote here, he said, I'm just trying to keep up with this Audi, it's uh, Fabian Schiller. Yes, hello. Good evening, welcome. Thank you, thank you. You're looking very relaxed in there, I'm sorry to have broken your, you're breaking your rest. Yeah, I just came out of the car, um, it's uh, pretty hot in our car here because the air ducts are full of sand, so it's quite exhausting, but yeah, so far uh, we're still in the mix and uh, it's fun out here. You've been putting in some stellar stints in this car. You're obviously very at one with it. Yeah, obviously I race uh, quite a bit in the Mercedes and uh, that obviously makes life a little easier. But yeah, the car is running great and I'm comfortable with the team as well. They're doing an amazing job, get speed as usual. So uh, yeah, all going good so far. One of, the, one of the customer teams, CP Racing, the American team, a bit further up the pit lane, was saying pre-race, or one of their things, the, uh, the Code 6 earlier on, the, the heat in the car being front engine with no air going through it, you just said it's very hot, it's, it's quite cool, is, is that an issue? I know you're a pro driver, but is it an issue with the front engine Mercedes? Well, I wouldn't say it's an issue with the Mercedes, I would say in general, you know, when you do 60 kph, it's very difficult to get air into the car, there's no air circulating. Uh, the hottest for us is usually the feet at Code 60, you know, they get very hot because of the engine on there and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, it's the same for everyone. I guess it's the same in every car. And unless you turn the air condition on, but we drive without. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's okay. It's manageable. I think somebody once described it as um, sort of like sitting in a sauna but wearing two-layer overalls. Say again? Sorry. Like sitting in a sauna but wearing overalls. Ah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of... I mean, it's, it's, it's hot. Luckily, now at night it cools a bit down, so it's... It's not so bad, and at the end of the day, you know, we're used to it, it's our job, we have to manage it, and uh, we live with it. Obviously, we prefer cooler conditions inside the car, but it is what it is. Now, realistically, do you think you can beat, you can beat the Audi? Uh, I think currently it looks very difficult. The Audi seems to be very quick, and it's doing the lap times quite easy. Uh, and for us, it's, I mean, we flat out 100%, 110%, trying to keep up with them. It seems like now at night we have a bit more pace than during the day. Uh, degradation is a big issue this weekend. It seems like all the all the cars are suffering a little bit after 20 laps to keep the pace up on the tyres. But, I mean, we're giving our best. Let's see what uh, happens. The race is still long. And, uh, yeah, there's better uh, situations and worse situations. Right now at the night, I think we are doing quite well. Is, is the degradation to do with the sand? Being there's so much more sand on the circuit or not? I'm not so sure. I mean, uh, Hancock introduced a new compound, I think, somewhere middle of last year. And the tire has good peak performance. It's very grippy early on. But obviously, that makes the tire degradate a bit more, you know. So it's something, us as a team, it's the first race we're doing with, with Hancock. So obviously, we also need to learn and evolve. And uh, yeah, there's definitely some potential to try to keep the tires a little bit better in the, uh, in the window. And being able to push over a full stint, which is not so easy for us right now, but I mean, 
I think other cars are struggling as well with, with some degradation and uh, yeah, we're just trying to make the best out of it and there's obviously with the condition change always uh, a chance to improve something or uh, yeah, make a step forward. So this is your first, uh, first run in the Mercedes on the Hankook tyre? No, I did this race last year, uh, but with a different team. But for Getspeed, it's the first time running the Hancock tyre on the Mercedes. So, uh, yeah, obviously, it takes some time to get to know a tyre very well as well. So, um, maybe even there we have a bit of potential for uh, next next year, maybe, if we come back. You want to win this race, though, not next week. You want to win next year as well. What about this race? Well, this race, uh, say again, what was your question? All the way, all very well to talk about next year, but you want to win this race still. Yeah, of course. I mean, we give our best, as I said before. It's it will be tough, but uh, we never give up. And uh, yeah, we have a strong driver lineup. Everyone is uh, uh, cool with each other, and we're having a fun time. And obviously, the boys down here working hard, 24 hours, and we never give up. These guys never give up. Us as drivers, we never give up. And our car, for sure, will never give up. Brilliant, Fabian. Wish you very well for the uh, the rest of the race and catch that Audi. And we look forward to talking to you later. Thank you for your time, Fabian. Thank you, Snowy, down in the pit lane. Just an update on the GT4 battle now. Um, uh, the BMW uh, came into the pits, the 438. It spent uh, over a minute longer than the Toyota from uh, Continental Racing TTR. Um, Andre Sulakustev at the, the wheel of the Continental Racing by TTR at the moment has uh, taken the GT4 lead back again. Um, and uh, that is Ivan Kravivsek in the uh, in the uh, BMW who's uh, just dropped down the leaderboard another position in the AGMC uh, by uh, but Team Simpson but that has a, that was a nose to tail battle out on, on the track and he's done about a thousand miles in the pit lane today so we brought him up to have a nice little sit-down in the commentary room. It was a very warm welcome to Chris Milmore. Thank you so much for having me. I don't know if I'm going to sit for too long, though. I'd, uh, <laughs> I prefer the view that we have up here. I can, see, I can see now why you didn't want to join us down there on the pit lane, because the view that we have from up here is incredible. We can see pretty much every single corner. It's been an amazing place to actually see the fireworks from here as well. Uh, now, going to the back to that GT4 battle, there's actually now a, a gap between those two cars now in 33rd and 35th, respectively. 496 is just ahead, but there's a 96. One or the 961 there, even for fact, Auto Tech is in between the two now. So a little bit more pressure now on the shoulders of that 438 driver that we see on our screen right now. I was actually speaking to Fabian Dufio um, not too long ago before I came upstairs, and he told me about a very interesting stint that he had because it was driving. He told me it was like driving on eggs for a while. He really pushed the car as much as he could in one of his stints. He spent two hours, came in uh, without changing the tyres whatsoever, and he wow. said by the end of it, felt like I was driving on. Yeah, um, once these tyres drop off, they do. They do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and it's really difficult to maintain lap time with that happening. And also you're fighting the car so much uh, because it's not doing what you want it to do. Race is sort of uh, settling down after the nine coach six we've had so far. Just keeping an eye on the battle for third and fourth at the moment. The battle, that's in GT3, the Attempto Racing um, 99, and the Get Speed car. They both, uh, the Get Speed, they Get Speed just had a pit stop not too long ago, around about 10 minutes ago. And the Mercedes AMG, 202908 on his last lap for Dominic Barman, and uh, Dylan Pereira, uh, 203606. 
seven seconds separating them uh, from third and fourth. That's a step on the podium. It's the GT3 cars to the fore. Totally different to what we saw in the Yas Marina last weekend, where we had a Pro-Am and Am at the top of the league. And uh, that was mainly because we had um, a, th a third of the race under Code 60, and the GT3 cars couldn't let their strategies play out. They couldn't quite get to the end of their strategies because all the, the very long Code 60s. So uh, um, we're seeing how um, the, the advantage, uh, the, the, the way that the pro teams work and then the remember these cars from their BOP they take five less liters than what is written on the on the, the fuel filler and they carry 30 kilos more of ballast so they're using more brakes using more tires but um, they always seem to rise to the top it doesn't make sense the magic of motorsport isn't it it, it isn't it sounds like it doesn't make sense but somehow it does somebody's making sense out of it so the 99 car the dylan piero driven the attempto racing audi now he was uh, i spoke to him earlier as well yeah. and he's doing some driver coaching for uh, carrera cup middle east that's down the ass marina circuit but he was supposed to be down there so what he's actually doing he's actually texting the driver that he's coaching at the moment he's texting Masha Mardini uh, to sort of give him advice via text message I don't know how well that kind of works he's just oh no I didn't say that I'll quickly edit the message no read that again and then that's how I was supposed to say it but of course um, a lot of uh, things to do there for Dylan Piera uh, this weekend he's got uh, driver coaching plus of course on oh, track 24, oh, 24 hour yeah. currently circulating in third position overall on a 352 laps so that's three laps down from the race leader who's come across the line but I'm pretty sure that will be two laps from the leader when they come across the line next time round. Gilles Magnus uh, is out in front there with the 54 car. Uh, two laps, nobody it will be a lap when they go, when the entry yeah. comes across the line when Sven Müller in the Proton Herbert competition Porsche comes across the line. Uh, now, what about that uh, GT4 battle? Has that changed ever so slightly? No, because no. Nico Verdonk is still between the two of them at the moment. Of course, that AGMC racing team by Simpson Motorsport, now that's the car that's uh, in contention for the Middle East Trophy in that category, yep. and that's the one thing that's on their mind. Every time I've spoken to the drivers there, that's the thing that they always talk about. Yes, we want to win, but more importantly, we want to be the ones to win the Middle East Trophy at the end of the 24-hour race, which, of course, will be in nine and a half hours' time. Uh, I did also... Uh, I was planning to interview a few more drivers, for the more local drivers that are here, and I know Ahmed Al-Haja uh, saw me walking away, and he was... Uh, we really wanted to have his uh, interview here during the 24-hour, because, of course, he did race in the six hours of uh, Abu Dhabi last time out in the Toyota GR Supra. He is sharing the same garage, but this time he's behind the wheel of an Audi RS3. Of course, local talent here in the United Arab Emirates has made the step up from Golf Pro Car. He races with the GT86 category there. He's already had a win this season. A, a rough start for him, though, uh, for uh, that season. But it got off to the right step uh, along the way. And it seems to be he's kind of done the same thing here with the 24-hour series. He kind of got off on the wrong foot in the uh, week ago at the six hours of Abu Dhabi. And now, with that Simpson car, they're doing a lot better in that Audi RS3. It seems that way because um, that Toyota last weekend was um, once again involved in the battle. But um, it fell away um, just towards the end of the, the race before we got into uh, the um, all the code 60s. As the uh, Century Motorsport moves up into ninth position. And uh, Darren Leung at the wheel of that BMW, currently second in the GD3 AM category. And uh, that's uh, moved Dustin uh, 
uh, Blattner in the uh, car collection motorsport Porsche. 96 car down a one position. Um, seems to have settled down a little bit. You've been monitoring. What's the mood like down in the pits? How's the team feeling as we've, uh, you know, uh, we're well over halfway now and uh, nine and a half hours to go. What's your read on it so far? I think there's not too much tension, to be honest. We're kind really? of at the, the midway point. Well, we've, we've gone past that distance now. It's, yes. You know, like you said, it's the, the mood's getting a bit more somber. Everyone's trying to relax now and just get everything sorted out. Okay, we've seen a number of cars that go out already for numerous reasons, which is a shame because it would have been fantastic to end the day with 54 cars as we started yes. uh, a, a couple of hours ago. Uh, but it seems to me the mood is very somber everyone's relaxed you know i would assume that's going to change within an hour to go and that's when things can go absolutely bonkers uh, but we've got a long way to go for that don't we indeed we're expecting sunrise at 7 a.m um, uh, and uh, then the race starts all over again as soon as the sun comes up it tends to change um everybody's thing everybody gets a bit of a spring in their step even though they're tired because it just goes well it's it's coming now um, when the sun goes down this race will be over and we'll either be on the podium or not um, so uh, everything seems to change and it's always that last couple of hours where things really kick off and once that happens well um, uh, you know um, the strategies playing out at the moment did you get, have a look at anybody's? Did they have big Excel spreadsheets over there? Or they're all doing their strategies now on uh, computers and it's all that way now, isn't it? Yeah, and there were screens I don't think I've ever seen in my life before. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about one or two. I'm talking about 15 to 16. Some of the uh, the pit boxes here just have screens with all this data on them that they can constantly monitor. They're even running live streams of their in-car footage as well, which is great to see. And they're constantly tracking down each and every step. Wow. You know, and of course, that helps them with the strategy, especially when the code C is thrown out, right? Because yeah. then you can then quickly adjust, you know, do, do a couple of equations, switch it up a little bit, and then kind of get back onto the strategy that they really wanted to be on. But of course, saying that, every team has a strategy A, strategy B, strategy yes. A through Z, and then uh, <laughs> AA, A, A through Z point again. Point one, point two, point three. Because anything, it's motorsport, right? Anything yeah. can happen over the course of 24 hours. You told me, as we were talking at the beginning of the race, we didn't have a code 60 during the first hour, but no. we did have a lot of dust on track, right? Which made things quite slippery for a lot of drivers. Some of the drivers are even complaining that the dust is actually coming into the car and into their mouths as well oh. while they're driving. So you can imagine that feeling with all that dust coming around. It's not something that you want, is it? Especially when you're starting the race. Um, not pleasant at all. And uh, we were talking uh, with CP Racing earlier on as well um, about them having to change their f air filters. Or, um, and we were only probably on our uh, eight or so at the time, and they'd already changed them three times. So it was unusual um, that we had that little Shamal come in um, about, uh, well, when I got up this morning, I went outside and went, uh, uh, I had an inch of um, inch of sand on my car. Uh, Bruce Jones had an inch of ice on his. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, interesting in d deep. Let's head down to uh, Snowy in the pits. Uh, an update from CWS Racing. Uh, as you can probably see, Phil, we've got uh, the um, CWS number 278 car in. Obviously, the 277's out, but it's uh, Owen Hizzy in that car at the moment. Um, all sorts of maladies befalling this uh, lovely little Janetta at the moment. First of all, the anti-roll oh. bar has snapped, uh, which is... Um, not ideal for uh, handling and turning in, etc., etc. 
Uh, so Colin White getting involved as ever, pulling on the rear wing, getting the car back, needs to turn those lights off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, quite exactly, yeah. Actually, it probably blanks me out, which is quite a good thing. Uh, the other thing is um, that the... I think there's a power steering okay. issue by the look of it, because they looked at the reservoir. Uh, so a lack of anti-roll bar and a lack of power steering is not ideal. Colin, have a look at, look at the tyres there in the front of this. Well, um, he always gets involved. Get you know what Colin is like? Yeah, he, well, he does, yeah. Well, he's, just quite, he's one of those people that can't help yeah, himself. Yeah, exactly. Always so. going to get involved. He knows what the problem is. They've got a tray of tools alongside him. I've just, just, just managed to grab, grab him. Colin, if you could pop out to the front here, for mate, just to break on. I know, I know you're in the midst there. You're, all, you're always so good to come and do this. But we, we've just said that you're one of those people that you can't help but you always get yourself involved in there. What, what's the issue? Is it power steering or something? Yeah, he's uh, found the power steering going heavy, and uh, it looks like the belt has got a slice in it. Some debris come up at the belt. Simple as that. I thought, so they're gonna I thought it in. just wasn't fit enough or something. No, it's like... We were fast enough, so he needs to back up a little bit, but there's a lot of debris out on the track. Now it's cut the belt, so we're just putting your belt on. You wouldn't believe it possible, would you? Uh, it's just racing. There's rubber everywhere, <laughs> crap everywhere, so <laughs> it's fine. fine. You, know, you don't seem too perturbed by it, though. Well, it happens, doesn't it? And there's nothing you can do about it. And uh, Unless you put it completely in a case so that nothing can get to it, it's always going to happen. It's one of the... Then it breaks and you can't change it. And then it breaks and you can't change it. Well, it's hard to change. That's the problem. Yeah, and it's hot. So hopefully it's, just a, it's a very simple change of a power steering belt. And but I heard there's an issue with the anti-roll bar as well. Yeah, so we're going to get on and do that now. I'll remind them. Thank you. Bye-bye. I think I just reminded him to do that. There you go. That was good. So you go pit lane. You see? Live. Like, oh, yes, I've forgotten that. Yeah, I've left the, I've left the iron on. Go and pick up your check from uh, a brief... Um, you're now pit strategist, and uh, don't forget to pick your check up before you leave the circuit. Sergio Nicolau into the uh, pits uh, fuel for the Manamari um, uh, Energy by Ebi Motors. Currently second in the Pro Am GD3 car, uh, six overall. Dominic Bauman has closed that gap down to 6.8, and we've got the nine going very, very slowly. And that's Dominic Bauman in, in the get speed car. He was six seconds behind the 99 of Dylan Pereira. He's got it going again. Did he just do a control or delete? I was going to say the same thing because <laughs> the car just stopped. All the lights went off, even the LEDs on the side. Oh, wow. And then he kind of just sat stationary for a while, but the car kept kind of moving. I guess he still kept it neutral. That was up just after the bowl complex, was it not? No, it was a bit further uh, back through the track there, but it looks to feel exactly like a control or delete. But is this a further issue for the car? Because, of course, they've had issues in this race already. It's the get speed at number nine, clouting the curbs on the exit of turn nine. So that would have happened on the run down to turn six, I, but, uh, I think. And uh, well picked up, Chris, and uh, see if that car continues to circulate. But they were right, right on the back of uh, Dylan Pereira and the Attempto Racing Audi. The battle for third position in GT3, third outright. And I think you might have lost some ground. We'll give you that. Sven Miller's armour from 83 came into the pits. Um, second overall. And GT3 down in the fuel station. 
could imagine for Dylan Pierre, he probably saw what happened behind him because the gap was 6.3 yes. seconds at the line of the previous lap. Now that's certainly gone up to well oh, over yeah. 20 seconds. Of course, Dylan Pierre can breathe a little easier now as we fast approach uh, uh, sunrise here at the Dubai Autodrome for this uh, incredible 19th edition of the Dubai 24-hour part of the 24-hour series. Uh, here comes the uh, number nine now across the line. We can see what that gap is and see how much time that he's lost. But it does look like he's pushing hard. He's back up to speed, so maybe something misaligned there. Maybe he just took a curb too much and it maybe shook something that kind of Possibly, turned something yes. off. Yep, um, he went from nine seconds to 37 seconds. So not what he wanted to do, but um, uh, as Colin said down in the pits, a bit of debris got up and, and, and snagged that belt. And, and if you um, look offline, you can see how much rubber is sitting around there. These tyres are built to uh, get uh, uh, the, the rubber off. There's a 27 into the pits, so hard of racing. Um, Daniel uh, Manicelli bought that one in, currently sitting third in the GD3 Pro-Am. Some racing tape there going on the left yeah, front, the front the left of that car, getting a, a little bit of a, a massage with the million mile an hour tape. Certainly not uh, an unfamiliar sight here. <laughs> the, uh, the 429 had uh, plenty of that stuck to it before, unfortunately, uh, they were out of this race. But that should keep the bumper on for a few more laps. Oh, yes, yeah, so only a few hours to go nine and nine, nine hours, 21 minutes as they um, probably make their way down to the fuel station. So they make their way now, turning right there into the fuel station. And then after they've come out of that uh, area, we can have a check of if there was a driver change. Uh, as uh, the number 26 moves up into sixth position overall, that's the Santa Lock Junior Team Audi. Uh, moving past the number 95, that's actually just come out of the uh, pit lane. That is the 701. There's a uh, driver change going on for that car. Now that's uh, down in 32nd at the moment. Now Gomez behind the wheel of the Vortex V8. And incredible sound that car has when it comes across the line. It's, uh, it's certainly something you have to experience. And I did notice uh, while I was in the Apex Garden, uh, and I think uh, Snowy has an update for us down in the pit lane. Yeah, just very quickly, just very quickly, Chris, I wanted to add in that the uh, number 27 Mercedes, there was no driver change, as you say, that change, change of tyres, that massaging on the front left of the wing where it's uh, got the million mile an hour tape on and off it went and down to refueling. The um, Vortex has indeed, just in the pit behind that Mercedes, that has now done a driver change as well. I'm guessing going to refueling as it exits right now. Thank you so much no, no for the update. So no driver change there uh, for the number 27, but uh, confirmation of the driver change for the 701. And once they've exited the uh, refueling area, we'll get an update on who is currently behind the wheel of that car. Uh, the 14 and 96 have moved up as well. The uh, One of them is the car collection motorsport Porsche, uh, up now into eighth position because, of course, the 95 did come into the pit lane. So, of course, natural for them to lose a couple of positions but of course that's their strategy that they're playing out that drops them down to ninth overall uh, not just on track but in the category of GT3 as well uh, they're currently running in third in Pro-Am by the looks of it, yes indeed and the car that is in fourth in Pro-Am, their closest rival well they're currently in the fueling station at the moment so not too much to worry there for the 96, uh, sorry the 95 car at the moment but of course things will start heating up as we uh, fast approach uh, nine hours to go here at the Dubai Autodrome.
Joel's Magnus leading in that Audi. They've done 23 pit stops. I was just looking at uh, Victor Schaeter is um, on his outlap at the moment. 18, only 18 stops for that one. Just losing that position to Dylan Pereira um, as second overall as um, they are making their 18 stop, 20 stops for the Audi from Attempto Racing. Um, what's the bet that possibly a German mark is going to win this again? Um, Unfortunately, McLaren had issue, the Bentley had um, uh, the ABS issue, and that happened very, very early on. Uh, I saw you speaking with Rob up earlier, and it, that happened in daylight hours where they, he had to keep on winding the ABS off and because it was overloaded in the circuit, and it kept on popping the breaker. I think all the drivers are dealing with that in the Bentley. It's not a new car. It's uh, it spent a lot its life in America and uh, just came out here to uh, yeah, get some, uh, some racing done. Stonking sound does shake the grandstand when it goes through, uh, which is lovely. Um, but yeah, it's uh, currently in uh, fifth position in the GD3 Pro Am. Um, Sean Lynn at the wheel of that one as well. Um, Ivo Broikers, I am at the behind the wheel of the 999 uh, Red Camel Jordans.nl. They've been leading that 992 category for a very, very long time. And uh, the second car in 992, well, it's the QMMF by HRT. Ganimal Alley at the wheel of the Qatari-based car. Um, that is a stonking drive from the, the, those guys. Um, we've had them in Kuwait um, and uh, at Yas. And Raul Hammond, um, uh, the head of the QMMF and uh, the, the circuit over the LaSalle circuit, um, we caught up with him in... The first uh, time they had two cars at um, the uh, 2023 uh, Kuwait 6-hour, and uh, that was the, their launch of uh, this team. And uh, they are doing very well indeed. And that uh, local region cars, as uh, also the 971. And I didn't know that about the... Uh, I didn't even think that if I put a plus in front of that, I could dial... Thank you for that. It's a nice little nod to uh, the UAE, isn't it? Because, of course, uh, home, homegrown drivers, essentially, Safe Alamary rose through the ranks of local racing here in the GT86 category, yes. raced, uh, sorry, series. Then he also raced in the GT86 class in the Gulf Pro Car. Uh, Salama Kepi, who drives with him, Fahad Azabi, also did uh, stints in GT86 here locally, both at the Yas Marina Circuit right here at the Dubai Autodrome, except for Chris Zeuchling. And, well, Zeuchling's actually been here for quite some time, yes. so I think the only thing he's missing there is just to have an Emirati flag next to his name and then essentially it is an entire driver lineup of drivers from the United Arab Emirates or well, at least all of them based in the United Arab Emirates exactly as there goes the race leader that's the 54 car that's gone out Jill Magnus was behind the wheel of that car as uh, we now jump on board with the Camels car here as they went their way no, no, no. down the front straight down towards turn one, which has been quite tumultuous over the past uh, couple of hours, isn't it? There's been a lot of uh, action down towards turn one. As uh, you see, just deep in the corner he goes next time round. Currently behind the wheel of that car is... 
look down the order to find out where that car is on track. Currently 14th overall in the 909. Eva Broika is currently behind the wheel of that car and leading in the 992 category with at least two laps ahead of his closest rival, Ghanem Ali, in the QMMF by HRT car, the 931. Now, the 971 and the 931 actually started in somewhat close proximity, and of course, with a little battle there between the two GCC representatives, one from Qatar, uh, Qatar, excuse me, and one from the United Arab Emirates. So, of course, they just want to show who's best at the two of them. <laughs> of course, the UAE wanted to be on top, but unfortunately, some issues here and there um, uh, during various Code 60s, or even before the Code 60s happens. I know I speak to say Mary before about it and he wanted to come into the pit lane because he had a feeling the code 60 would have come out yes uh, but unfortunately i think the team just weren't ready for him to come in so he came through the pit lane and then he had to go back out and come back oh, in after that so that cost him a couple of laps and that's why the 971 is kind of just uh, dipped down a little bit at the moment they are currently circulating in uh, 23rd with Hilal Mazri uh, behind the wheel of that car at the moment and that puts them in a seventh position in the 992 category at the moment so the gap between the two GT4 cars after their pit stop, and remember that the BMW AG MC racing by Team Simpson Motorsport spent a, a, a considerable amount longer, um, a minute and three seconds longer in the pit than the Continental racing by TTR Toyota Supra. And the gap at the moment, a one minute 19. So Ivan Kravistev has got all the work to do to chase down Andre Solokustev considering they were nose to tail for a, quite a few laps. All the work to do for the BMW as the Kenan Racing by TTR have been leading that category, even, even though there's only three cars in it. And uh, the other BMW, that was the 429. Unfortunately, that was the one that had the incident with the wall at turn seven, which brought out, I think, our last code 60. It was very unfortunate as well for Century Motorsport. They did a fantastic job to get that car back out after being in the pits for a lengthy period oh, yes. of time. Yeah, they haven't had uh, the uh, the luck of uh, the run in this one. As we see flashes of the, the sole Toyota Supra, the GR Supra, on a track at the moment. Now, this car has got a bit of an interesting history. Also raced in the Golf Pro Car Series as well. I think it's oh, the yeah, only one uh, in the country, to be honest. And Vasily Vanekin and a... Uh, a few other drivers have taken turns behind the wheel to sort of prepare themselves for upcoming endurance rounds. Great to see Vasily Vatican actually move up into endurance racing. I know he did the six hours of Abu Dhabi last year, but before he did that, he did the Clio Cup uh, Middle East category where he was a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. Uh, and of course, he runs the highly successful Continental Racing Team already since a part of that team as the, they are running the Toyota here as well. We saw some great racing action from them as well. But again, it's sort of like a home team for us essentially here because they race a lot here, they're based here, and they just... They continue to put on a fantastic display here, don't they? Well, they do, and their performance is um, well. Their performance is outstanding this weekend. They were so cruelly treated down at Yas, the the Code 60. They were leading up until the Code 60s, and they ended up in fourth position. Gray Thompson, I had a word with him after that race. Well, he didn't want to talk, and I can understand why. Um, uh, and uh, Johnny Westbrook is uh, spinning the spanners on that car this weekend. Um, uh, with a team that Johnny said to me as they threw together <laughs> and uh, well uh, it's done, they've done all the work now and uh, they've just got to keep it out there, yeah, uh, one minute 25 seconds is the gap at the moment between uh, the... yes Mr Snowden 
Well, just a very quick update for you, mate. Uh, 99 attempt to racing the uh, Audi R8. That just popped in for a tyres and fuel, no driver changes. Thank you so very you're much. Aware. Dylan Pereira stays at the wheel. Now remember the drivers do have a two-hour maximum stint time and then their rest time must be at least 50% of that to stay within the regulations. Now, some of these drivers in various categories also have a maximum time that they're allowed to drive the car. Um, some of the pro drivers are only allowed to do a certain amount of the race if they're racing with pro-am and am drivers. Sometimes the pro-ams are free, they can do as much time as they want. The am drivers have a minimum amount of time that they have to do. And that's all respective on category, but this is how Creventic um, works the BOP, so that um, you can't just, you know, we know under Code 60 what happens. They'll always throw, throw the uh, am driver in there just to uh, suck up the time, um, so that... Uh, they can be as competitive with their pro and pro-am drivers. And it's, it's hard work if you're an AM driver because you know that if somebody's into the Armco and there's Armco repair to do, you're always going to get thrown in the car uh, just to suck up that time because um, you don't want your good drivers or your quicker drivers, sorry, I should uh, paraphrase that. Now, you don't want your quick drivers wasting time under code 60, especially if they have limits on their drive time. So. Uh, Another one of the measures that Creventic used to uh, work out balance of performance along with fuel loads, fuel flow, um, uh, benefits for um, the GT3 AM and 992 AM. If you run an all AM lineup, you can take 50% under code 60. I have noticed that the number nine is in the pit lane at the moment with Dominic Bauman currently behind the wheel of the Get Speed Mercedes AMG GT3 car. Now, that was the car that had that control or delete moment. Oh, yes. Now, I wonder if this could be a lengthy pit stop to see if they can kind of figure out what exactly happened there with the car because they did continue to circulate for a few more laps, but then now they've come in, this obviously gives them an opportunity to have a look and see what potentially could be the issue. Now, because yeah. the car was back up to speed, there was no real reason to bring it in, and, of course, they don't want to mess up the strategy like that. So better to keep it on on strategy and bring it in when there is a good time to bring it in. So I do want to let's have a, we'll keep a close eye on Dominic Bauman to see if they do stay in uh, the pit lane for a, an extended period of time. Dylan Piera, as uh, Snowy said before, has stayed behind the wheel of the number, th uh, the third place car, the number 99 for Attempto Racing, so he's now been released from the clutches of the refueling station, and off he goes in hot pursuit of the number 83 car now, shown as a lap down. And of course, uh, okay, Snowy's got an update for us. Yeah, just, just very simple, just a few things happened there. 96 car collection, motorsport Porsche in for tyres and fuel, no driver change. CP Racing uh, just went out at the same time. They, uh, I think, I'm not sure whether they did a driver change, we'll, we'll check on that. Uh, in between them, the 22 Century Motorsport BMW uh, definitely did do a driver change. I'm going to go and get an interview there in a moment. And whilst I'm doing that, the number 31, Team Parker Bentley is in. So... Um, it's, uh, it's busy, it's quite strange, I've forgotten the bend because it being a British car, of course it's right hand drive. We're so used to seeing drivers coming into the outer part of the pit there, and I thought, they're not having a co drive as well. Of course, it's Bentley, isn't it? It's right hand drive. So um, there's a, a little bit of flurry of activity there, and I'll, I'll tee up some interviews Thank and come back to you much. guys. Snowy down there in the pits. Yeah, Di Binks went to the wrong door as well, so uh, don't worry about that. CP Racing in the fuel zone at the moment. Charles Esplanade brought the car in. We'll just see if that changes um, when that car heads out of pit lane. 
gearbox change for that car and uh, after leaving the AM category. Yes, mate. I just mentioned there that uh, Chris is about the wrong door, going down again to the wrong door. Uh, I have to tell this again to myself. When I raced GT4 Aston when it first came out, the Vantage, well, way back in 2008, and I raced that for two or three seasons, and I never got to drive the road car. And when the first opportunity arrived, of course, all the GT4 cars were built left-hand drive for racing. I went to the wrong door, and I thought I'd got away with it, and part of the owner just went, you got to the wrong side, didn't you? Because I was exposed. <laughs> especially when you've got your race suit and helmet on and go in to get in the wrong door and you step over the fire extinguisher and no seat. So I'm still keeping an eye now on the number nine and it doesn't know they've been in the pit lane for quite a long period of time because if we look at uh, Jacob Brattenbury, the Century Motorsport BMW that came into the pit lane is now in the fueling station. Yep. They've only been in the pit lane for three minutes and 55 seconds. The Get Speed number nine has been in the pit lane for now 10 minutes. So I, yes, that means the team there's, is... There's something going on there. So hopefully Snowy can uh, get us an update for what's happened with the number nine. And if it is a control or delete, and if they can figure out the issue, as uh, Dustin Blattner now works his way back out of the car collection mode for Porsche, the number 96 will uh, most likely be able to find a way past that Dominic Bauman. And there is the car in question. And that's never a good sign, as it feel, that the, uh, the bonnet is popped up like that. And people walking around and saying, thank you very much. Is that something a little bit more serious? because nobody is working on the car. And that's a real shame. You can just see in the back of the pictures there, Alphazo Lazbert, uh, Carrera Cup Middle East champion. I think he's a, a, a two-time champion. He's raced around the world, uh, waves the flag of Oman very proudly wherever he goes. Of course, he's a, somewhat of a veteran here of the 24 hours of Dubai. You see him all over the place in all sorts of endurance races. It's great to see him here as well. And I can see, I think Snowy does have an update for us. He's just had a little chat there with the team. So we'll throw it down to the pit lane as, uh, as soon as he's ready for us. But uh, that does look rather unfortunate. And Snowy, what's the update here? Uh, very simple. Yes, it's all over. As you spotted quite rightly, they're going around congratulating everybody. Um, never should have done that Fabian Schiller <laughs> interview, should I? Uh, so that, that's Marriott's <laughs> fault. We can blame him. He teed it up. Um, yeah, basically, he said to me, um, gearbox, oh, same wow. as CP. Uh, the only thing is they're not uh, CP change theirs. And they're obviously not going to try and do it on the get speed. So, yeah, gearbox issue, sadly. So that's, the, that's another one of the, uh, the front-running cars and one of the place cars out of the order. What I'm going to do is, well, yeah, I'm going to nip next door. I was on the way to Century when that just happened. So I was going to pop into Century and see if we can get a little update. Phil, Chris, I'll just let you carry on for a minute. I'll just update Thank you so much, though, there for the, uh, the update. And very unfortunate news there for a very quick Mercedes-Benz AMG GT3 car. And, well, that will mean that the next Mercedes-AMG, that could be the overall winner. Well, they've got a lot of work cut out for them because that is the number 27 car, the heart of racing by SPS, down in 10th position at the moment. Of course, they will benefit, unfortunately, for the number 9. Uh, no longer continuing in this race. Uh, it's uh, Darren Young in the Century Motorsport BMW. The 14 and now moves up into fourth place. Lewis Plato now behind the wheel the Century Motorsport number 22 car up into fifth place. And there we see on the timing screens the Dominic Bauman gets speed car unfortunately tumbling down the order not something we wanted to see with nine hours to go phil no. was it because uh, unfortunately that means we have less and less cars that will make it to the end of this 19th running of this epic dubai 24 hour 
Joe Foster has got into the CP uh, racing car, uh, replacing Charles Espinup as he heads out. That car currently down in 38th position, uh, running six in the AM category after running it. Now, um, if my sums serve me correct, we have lost... If we would have had all three of the top cars on the grid, we have lost all three of them now. The Lamborghini, as you found out early on, didn't start the Leipzig Motorsport, saying that they would have to pull the gearbox and everything else. That they were in P2. On lap 88, we lost the Saint Lot Junior team, their pole sitting car, power steering failure. They had power steering failure on Friday in free practice. They fixed it for qualifying. It lasted 88 laps. That came back again, and now we've lost the third, uh, the fourth position car, of the, on, which started on the second row on lap 367 with the gearbox failure for the Get Speed car. Um, the front of the field is coming back to the rest of the field because they're all they're all starting to fall over. It's a, a very interesting statistic there as well that we're losing the front runners before we lose the the ones further down the field. Exactly. So, uh, very bizarre well, what's going the, on there. The, the closest one to that is Dragon Racing. They started down in 22nd, and uh, when uh, when they retired from the race, and we had Stuart Hall here as well. Uh, but it's why with that, and then we also lost the uh, Sellerton by Cox Racing as well. Um, the car, number 48 car, as our list is growing at the bottom of the timing screen. We started from, uh, we're, I think we're into double figures of our non-runners at the moment, which is uh, not what we're going to see, but it is endurance racing, and uh, these cars are getting pushed very, very hard, and uh, they will find their break points. So the next car that we have to keep a close eye on now is the 21 car, now in 10th position overall. And of course, they've had their fair share of issues as well throughout the race. They started uh, uh, some a couple of hours ago. Yep. They started the race in third position overall in the second row of the grid. Another top four. They're the only ones left standing. Now, yes. as you said, they're currently running in 10th position at the moment. Thomas Kiefer uh, behind the wheel of that Audi, 10th overall in the race, and currently uh, circling third overall in GT3 at the moment with 361 laps completed. Uh, Stick time though, one hour and 14 minutes, so not too long before we see that car come into the pit lane as well, Phil. Yeah, just looking at who is due a time now. Uh, Dylan Pereira, he, he came in and went back out again, so uh, he's stint time. Remember, he's maximum two hours. He can say so they just uh, threw some tyres in the car. Um, Darren Young, the same. He is around about one hour 13 into his stop. Um, Dominic Bauman now being stationary for 15 minutes in that get speed car, and that uh, that's gone. And uh, unfortunately, and it will start going down there. Scott Nobles in the Hubert Motorsport will take um, that uh, 11th position in the not too distant future. But uh, the Eastland Racing Team, they have uh, been at the pointy end of the field for probably uh, over 150 laps now. Um, that's no mean feat at, at all. Um, let's have a look at our leader history. Um, they led from lap 193, uh, sorry, to 163 to 191. So they've always been up the pointy end of the route. Um, you know, uh, from... They first got the lead on lap 36, and then we had pit stops, pit stops, pit stops. They were getting it back. Then all of a sudden, at the you know, lap 98, they held that for uh, until lap 120. Then from 131 to 152, 163 to 191, 
193 to 222. And uh, now from uh, 226 to 369, where we are now, 369 laps in the race. I think Johnny Palmer said it. I don't think we're going to make uh, the 692 laps uh, that we did in 2012. I think that's very well gone. So less now than nine hours on the clock, eight hours and 59 minutes. And I think I've just spotted Sean Galile working his way out of the Century Motorsports garage. So that means there will be a driver change for what will be the 14 car that's currently running fourth overall in GT3 AM. That is the leading BMW as well for Century Motorsport. Lewis Plato has already been in the pit lane and done a driver change. Uh, he's been behind the wheel for about seven minutes or so already. Uh, so it does, uh, and well, it's quite easy to spot Sean Galal. Very tall man indeed. Uh, so he, very easy to spot when he's uh, hopping out. Uh, how he has this much energy, I will never know. But uh, of course, uh, racing drivers have a very strict regime when it comes to this kind of stuff. And of course, when it comes to something like a 24 hour, you have to prepare, 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 over prepare. The amount of uh, prep work that goes into these things, the amount of time you have to hit the gym, all these uh, uh, things you have to keep in mind. And I just find it incredible how some of these drivers are able to stay up like this and just keep with it you know keep their focus their attention on the one thing and that is winning this race in nine hours time and to do that they've got to hold a strategy they've got to understand what the strategy is they've got to drive to a strategy um, which is very difficult especially when you're uh, racing people yes peter it's just come in right this second moment sean Galel going into that, and I will grab an interview for you there. But um, uh, Dan Harper, if you look out there, ready, he's uh, he's on duty this weekend, a former BMW junior driver, uh, doing all his cooking skills, but he's also there just rubbing his hands with glee at this driver changer. Nearly four o'clock in the morning, saying, so you can take the driver yes, out of the indeed car, but... you can. Now, that is the car that's running in the AM category, uh, in fourth place overall. In fifth place, it's uh, Lewis Plato in the second of the century motorsport uh, BMWs. That's running in the Pro-Am category. They are leading the AM and the Pro-Am category. Century Motorsport um, having a little bit of a field day down there at the moment um, with that uh, BMW uh, M4 GT3. They're so close together. Uh, brilliant stuff from the Century Motorsport team. I think with this pit lane, the number 14 will actually lose the lead in uh, GT3M and uh, as Lewis Plato will move ahead of them, actually, no, they, because they're not obviously in the same category as Pro no. Am. So it'll be just a swap for position in the overall standings because they'll go into uh, fourth because the cross line was a gap of 1.9 seconds. So that means Lewis Plato now goes into fourth overall. Scott Noble now up into 11th, fast approaching the top 10 in the Hoover Motorsport Porsche in the 50 car. Uh, they are currently on lap 361, currently circulating in fourth in GT3 Am, 11th overall. But Thomas Kiff and the Haas RT, the number 21, has come into the pit lane. The 17 car has come in as well. George King is, uh, have, is well, he's taken a trip to the penalty box, uh, which is probably something that he doesn't want to have here at <laughs> no. all. I think he doesn't want to be sat there. But uh, rules are rules, and he's clearly broken at least one of them. So he is released from the penalty box and will make his way towards his pit garage. Now, he's... Oh, the timing's... How long he's been behind the wheel of that car, but I do think it's been at least over an hour. Uh, so I would try to see if he will do a driver change here. What number car was that again? Chris? That is the number 17 car that's come in and did that uh, quick stop in the penalty box. He's done 37 laps. That was his stint. 
So a reasonable time when you're talking two-minute lap. Just over an hour. Good battle at the moment for uh, the GT3 Pro-Am third and fourth. Just 7.9 seconds separating Dustin Blattner in the car collection by motor, uh, car collection motorsport Porsche and uh, Daniel uh, Manicelli in the heart of racing by SBS Mercedes AMG. Battle for the third step in the podium of GT3 Pro-Am. We'll keep an eye on how that is. Um, and it uh, may have just switched over positions in the not-too-recent past. No, they're both well over an hour into their, their stints. Hour 18 for the car collection car. Um, hour 37 for the Heart of Racing by SPS. So uh, that battle's still to sort itself out. And uh, also down in the AM category for 992. Uh, the wrap down by Fulgenzi car. And uh, the K Kramer racing, 23-24 um, overall, but fourth and fifth in the AM category. Just four seconds separating them as well. So a little bit of racing happening out there at the moment. Four position on track. Certainly is in pit lane, getting rather busy as well. Thomas Kiff has gone straight to the refueling station by the looks of it in the Haas RT number 10. Another car visiting the penalty box, the 992 car, which has also made its way into uh, pit lane. That was used by Sam behind the wheel of that car, down in 26th position at the moment. SMP Racing are in as well, and that is the 937. As uh, Daniel Drexel in the Razoon More Than Racing KTM, currently second overall in GTX. He's in the pit lane as well. That's a 714 car. Now we're currently looking at the 903, so uh, Jeff McEales will get out of the Red Ant Racing Porsche. That's currently 20th overall. There's more cars making their way into the pit lane at this sort of hour mark here, which is... Not yeah. an unfamiliar, uh, unfamiliar sight, is it? No, it's not indeed. Um, that stint from George King in Car 17 was an hour and 16 minutes, just under an hour and 17. And we'll have a see who gets behind the wheel of that number 17. Currently shown as 14th overall, 13th in class uh, in uh, GT... Oh, sorry, 13th overall in GT3, but 5th overall in GT3 AM. At the moment, their closest rival is the Hoover Motorsports of Scott Noble, who's been in the pit lane, or has just actually come into the pit lane, has that car. That is the uh, 11th place car overall. You... Yes, oh. Snowy, what have you got for us? I have got no less than Darren Learn with me. I just jumped out of the Century uh, BMW. Um, we've waited a moment or two to do this bit of interview because there's various cars doing driver changes behind us. And then Century are very kindly, I think Nathan freaked on it deliberately, started the generator up behind us in the pit lane. Darren, um, obviously tell us about your stint first. Uh, yeah, it's just head down as usual, really. Um, car still feels as good as it has Stop making it sound easy. <laughs> no, but it, no, it's definitely not easy, but, um, you know, it, it's made a lot easier when everything is as it should be. Oh, well, arguably better than it should be, really. We're, I don't know how many hours... Don't jinx it, mate. Don't jinx it. <laughs> oh, well, better not say anything, then. It was all right. I have a really tough stint here. Yeah, no, it was... Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard work, but, you know, you get into a bit of the rhythm and, you know, time passes a little bit quicker than you think, really. Now, we were talking earlier and throughout the show, we've been talking about the, one of the things we love about Creventic is it's such a family uh, environment on and off track as well. We take all our racing seriously, but there's a, quite a lot of families involved in here. And I believe you, family-wise, you've got um, two very special viewers back at home watching Dad race. 
Yeah, so I've got uh, George and Ella at home. Uh, probably not watching it at this point, but uh, they definitely were earlier on. So, uh, so yeah, big hello to my, my children, and yeah, I love them very much, and I miss them a lot. And how old are they? Uh, eight and four months. That's going to keep you busy. Is that, is that why you go racing, to have a bit of a break? No, absolutely not, no. <laughs> uh, that was me. Yeah, no, they did they... Uh, we were hoping they were going to be here um, uh, during my trip out to the Middle East, but unfortunately, uh, my missus got to have a minor medical procedure, so she's got to stay at home. Um, so, yeah, I'm actually going to fly straight home on Sunday night, see the kids for a few days, and I'm back out again for Asian Le Mans next week. And where is home for you, Darren? Uh, in Leeds, mighty Leeds. Yeah, nice part of the world. Yeah. Wrong, wrong side of the Pennines, but not a nice part of the world. God's own country. We'll disagree on that one, shall we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. Darren, thank, thank you very much for your time. We'll yeah. see you later. Thank you very much. As Zoe down in the pit lane for this stanza with eight hours and 50 and a half minutes to go. And it was, and it still is very busy down in the pits. I do have to go back and correct myself uh, as uh, Kiefer got out of the 20 wide of the Hassar T car. Mikapanu is now currently behind okay. the wheel. Driver change as well for the uh, Razoon car. Uh, Haytham Kurujuli is now behind the wheel of that car. I think the Kuwaiti driver now controls the 714. Uh, we're still waiting for an update on George King who will take control of the number 17 car. That car's on the pit lane now for about six and a half minutes and hasn't gone to the fueling station so have they sensed a problem on the car or are they just doing a, maybe possibly a routine change for this part of the race maybe brakes or uh, rotors rotors uh, brake rotors and, uh, and calipers and everything some of these teams have them already set up with a caliper already on the road and they just put it on click 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 they can do it so fast uh, but especially with the center lock wheels but um, we're expecting the, most of the GT3 cars to have to do a brake change um, with just on eight hours to go, or, you know, 14 hours into the race. Uh, it's uh, it, uh, something that's probably going to happen just before daylight, I think. Um, and handling red-hot discs is not what you want to do when you're tired, when you've been working, you know, you've been up since 8 o'clock yesterday morning, um, and, and just 7 o'clock, you know, 23 hours on the trot and then you've got to work out I can't burn myself um, it's not too bad 49 seconds is the gap now between um, the Toyota uh, Continental racing by TTR uh, Andre Solokustev and uh, the BMW is closing that down a little bit uh, around about 1.3 seconds difference in lap times at this stage Keep an eye on that. That's uh, evolving back to where we were, and it will probably evolve back to when we get to the we come back into the pits again. It certainly will. As uh, Ghanem Al Ali in the QMMF by HRT moves up now into 14th overall. Scott Noble has made his way out of the pit lane as well for Herbert Motorsport now in 11th position. Now tucked up behind the Haas RT car, the 21 now moves into 10th overall. Christopher Hasser in the leading number 54, 375 laps in the books. Last time around a 201.662. Still reasonably up to speed here, despite the cooler temperatures for them. Uh, that 
two-ish seconds off their fastest lap of the race so far, but I'm pretty sure when the sun begins to rise here, things are going to get a lot quicker uh, towards the end of this race. Ivo Broikers in the red camel, Jordans.nl, Porsche, the leader in the 992 category, currently in the pit lane. Now, second is that Ghana by Ali Car, the 931, that would like to be a little bit closer than they are at the moment to that uh, the 12th place car overall. Of course, they have to deal with uh, Joe Wheeler, who is in front of them. I did see that uh, Dominic Bauman's car, of course, it is slowly now going to start to tumble their way down the order. As Fabian Downs now takes the wheel of the 909 here. 13th overall is Joe Wheeler now up into 12th in the Bentley Team Park Racing car. They're 12th overall and 5th in Pro-Am as they're 201 3-2-1 that time round. 16 and a half minutes behind the wheel, so a fresh set of eyes behind uh, the steering wheel of that uh, 12th place car at the moment. Nico Prost moves up as well for Toro Veda in the Janetta. That is the leader in GTX at the moment. Their closest rival is the Razoon more than racing car down in 21st at the moment. There's a, a few cars in between those two, so not too much for Nico Prost to worry out for the time being. But of course, with uh, well over eight hours left on the clock, it can't breathe a little easy just yet. If we're maybe eight minutes away from the end of the race, it could breathe a little bit easier. But uh, of course, there's so much time left on the clock. It is motorsport in the end of the day, and things can happen. As uh, no, Magnus, no, they can't. <laughs> Are you sure about that? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. It's a wonderful world of motorsport. As, no. Sorry, Phil, to cut you off there, because I've just seen that Vitaly Petrov's got back behind the wheel at 937. Have you had a chat with him? Did you, did you no, I didn't. I, you know, I think it's this thing when I, every time I went down there, someone was always having a sleep that I wanted uh, to speak okay, to. So yes. it, even, even all the local drivers that I, I meet on a regular basis, they were all conveniently not available. Now... I don't know if that's, that's me. Rude. Probably is me, to be honest. But uh, they always had a reason why they weren't available. Well, most of the time they were uh, in their cars or they just weren't readily available. Uh, but, of course, uh, we can speak to them at a later stage, maybe towards the latter half of the race. When they're even tireder and possibly grumpier. It's always to get good comments out of them. That's the best time to do it, isn't it? Because it is then we know they're going to say exactly what's on their mind. <laughs> Will that be pleasant? I don't know. We'll have to have the bleeper on standby. I think so. There is the aforementioned uh, lovely Janetta. And uh, it makes it so good. Well, the base of that engine is a Ford, uh, four litre, but um, everything above it is Janetta. And uh, that is a, a stonking sounding car and performing incredibly well. I don't want to put the commentator's curse on it at, at this stage. The other Janettas, unfortunately, the G55 cars, sort of falling by the way now. 277. And the Owen Hizzy brought the 278 in with that belt that had come awry. They are back out on track in the Janetta, so uh, Colin got that belt changed. Uh, currently in second position in TCX behind the Porsche 718 Cayman. Haven't seen a lot of that SRS team Sorg Rensport. It didn't run down at the six hour at Yas. Um, we had a, a, a larger field of the TCX cars down there. It's a um, very, very uh, sturdy little race car. One question for you, Chris. 
and I don't know if you know the answer or if Mr Snowden knows the answer, is that what happened with Grove Racing, the number 10? That is a fabulous question, because I think I may have missed that, so uh, maybe we yeah. can send Snowy down there to do that. They, they, I mean, they've been out for, for quite, a, quite a, a long time, but um, uh, I, Johnny was asking the same question of what happened, and I'm not entirely sure um, why... Um, Obviously, they won the Spirit of the Race Award because they had a, a, a fairly ordinary uh, race down in, the, in Yas Marina Circuit. Yes, Snowy. Never heard you saying that. I'll go. I'll endeavour to find out what happened with the um, uh, the Grove Racing uh, car because that had the uh, that had yes. Phil Keenan, didn't it? But I don't, don't think he ever actually drove it. Um, I'm not sure about that. Uh, just have noticed, Robbo, I think it's 795 is the Janetta with Lauren yeah. Tomlinson in. Yeah, that car, if you see it on track, uh, just watch the screen, I'm sure you spotted it as well. And if I'm recovering, repeated down apologies, but uh, it's sparking it is, quite yes. a lot. And it's not like, yeah, it's not a skid plate catching or something. It's a it slightly old one. I don't know if it's a bo- it's, it's almost a, central, like, isn't it? It's the diffuser dropping down and, and possibly striking the road. Because it's sort of coming from that area. We're going to keep an eye on it, heading out of turn nine down the back straight. We'll see if we'll see if it starts to spark up in the bumps down at turn ten. And uh, interesting. I do get what you mean because I did notice it through a couple of the corners as well, especially specifically on the right-hand side of the car as well. Now, we just watched it through 10 and 11. We didn't see much come out no. of it, so possibly whatever it is, there, we go. there, there it is, is there. on the right-hand side of the car again, not just the left. So maybe you're right, maybe a bit of diffuser is hanging a little bit lower than it should be, but it doesn't seem to be causing too much of an issue I just for that didn't car. like where that was coming out because that could actually could be coming from the brake rotor. It's right on the very edge where the diffuser is, and we can see it sparking on that right-hand side as it makes its way through 13, the high-speed kink. The team will be watching this in the garage, just thinking, OK. I see now that Alex Bukunstov has got behind the wheel of car number 17, taking over driving duties from George King. Uh, they were title rivals in the Golf Radical Cup a couple of years ago. George King won it and then Alex Bukonstov, who's now currently reigning champion in that category, uh, sorry, in that series here in the United Arab Emirates. Great to see him here. He's got a very busy few weeks. He'll be off doing Asia Le Mans next week as well. He's been hopping out of his rear-wheel drive Porsche into a LMP3 car. Uh, that would be... Oh, that's nice. It is uh, a very interesting thing to do. You race a GT3 one week and then the next week you're racing in an LMP3 car instead. Uh, going down the order to the leader in TCE, the TCR car that is uh, Nada Zahur that's currently behind the wheel of the Simpson Motorsport car. Of course, Nada Zahur locally based here at Chirons Showroom. I used to race it against him when I was racing my Clio and he was in a TCR. I was going to say, because he's been knocking around for a very long time, yeah, hasn't that he? Was, that was back in 2009. Uh, the last time I was uh, competitive, well, I never was really competitive, but the last time I threw a suit on and actually race my Clio and uh, yeah Nader was racing uh, in the TCR there we had a great race with him and John Simmons down at Yasmarine Circuit I think you're under 
you're doing something here that you should be doing, Phil. Because I watched you racing back in the day, and you always did. You always had fantastic racecraft, and you always had something to show. You always took the fight tooth and nail all the way to the end. Uh, but of course, Nadal Zahor is racing here with us. He does frequently uh, appear in these 24-hour races, yes. not so much in the six hours. But I think he just loves racing here at the Dubai Drome. Current leader, of course, uh, does own. As I said before, he's got a showroom just down the road here as well, which is one of the sponsors on the car that's Top Line Motors. Great to see that team running strongly as well because there's a number of drivers that are from this part of the world yes. that are uh, driving that car and there is said car right now. Did you see that lock-up as well through turn 10? I hope that wasn't them and giving us that the little jinx on them as they're running so strongly here. Uh, of course, one of the drivers that's in that car is Ollie Webb but I think he was a very, very late addition because yeah, I, spotted, true, true. I spotted him on the grid and I swear he told me that he's only here to assist and do a little bit of driver coaching but of course, if you have that much talent, then of course you're going to get nabbed immediately if somebody drops out of the driver lineup. I bet you he brought his helmet with him. Oh, 100%. <laughs> you cannot be a racing driver. Come to a track to say that you're doing driver coaching. You just True. hit off with your advice or to watch the race in finger quotes. If you, if you go next door, you'll see my bag. Is a helmet in Ready to go. You know, there were probably a couple of seats. You could have probably done it. You could have done double duty. Do, uh, do the race downstairs and pop up to the commentary box after you've done your stint straight afterwards. I could give you track conditions. As uh, into the pit lane now comes that uh, Audi RS3 of Nada Zahori because, of course, that second Audi RM, uh, RS3, excuse me, still in the pit lane with. Well, we couldn't really figure out what the issue was, and it seemed to be neither could the team because they kind of never seen anything like what the issue was. When I spoke to Kobe and I spoke to the Audi representative as well, they were saying it could have been a power steering issue, but it was only in one direction, oh. which is very bizarre when you think about it. And when I kind of quizzed him a bit more, said, have you ever seen something like this? They said, well, no, because it's only in one direction. It doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> How do you have an issue turning one way but not the other without having... A broken toe rod, broken axle, yeah. a slow puncture. Yeah, and it's not rack and pinion steering either, so uh, it, it wouldn't be a, a dodgy rack, as you can um, That was the car that had that puncture um, early on and that did take uh, the guard off the car. And the right-hand front wheel, as you can see, on screen is uh, totally visible. And uh, they've been able to manage and not get that as it, it gets off the rim now. Full service for the uh, 138. Small uh, TCE field here, which is touring car endurance. It contains the TCX and the TCR. And uh, there's a new class uh, this year. It's called TCCR, and that is a touring car preventive racing. And uh, you know, James Kay has been very much at the fore of. Un, uh, getting some of the Series 1 cars, you know, the, the stuff that Alex Anavas and his dad, Costas Papatonis, ran around here. There's so many of those cars sitting around that Creventing are making a class for them here. And uh, so they're going to make the BOP between the newer versions and the uh, older versions uh, pretty good so that they can... James Kay, um, obviously uh, well-known from uh, BTCC, um, he's been working with this with Creventic to uh, um, get some of those cars out of the sheds, especially for the European racing, uh, to build back up this TCR field. 
It was great actually to see both Alex and Costas here in the the paddock area. And it's a shame not to see them both behind the wheel. They're highly competitive, especially when they were racing the TCR categories and the yep. Golf Pro Car Series. But of course now, kind of taking it easy, focusing on uh, the nine to five job, and obviously organising well, everything. Well, like Alex that. is coaching some young carters now. Now he obviously a few years ago he was doing the Pro Car Series and the IAMI Series in the shifter cars and uh, has uh, now um, uh, last week, I think it was at the O-Plate um, uh, last weekend when everything was happening on motorsport, there was racing at every circuit in the UAE. Um, yeah, he was coaching one of, their, uh, one of the young guys, so uh, uh, once you get out of the seat, you can't let the sport go. That's no. the whole thing. I wish I could have got into it so I would know what you're talking about. Um, I did try and do a 24-hour race not too long ago. I did the 24-hour endurance thing back in like 2006 or something. We didn't do, we didn't fare too well because it was kind of a competition of who could be faster than the video game. I mean, nowadays that's a real thing. That that's happens. a huge thing. It's a massive thing. We see that a lot of drivers elevate themselves from uh, sim races on a, a console or a PC all the way up into racing into the biggest race of the world, like Le Mans. But back then it was a little bit weird be honest but in all fairness i think i did it with a controller so there's not real there's no comparison between a controller and a steering wheel even if it is a, a proper sim rig i'm, I'm gonna go back a few years i remember when uh hindi had uh darren cox up here and he was with nissan remember they did that pro that that series with the nissan the drivers and jan malgenborough ended up getting very successful on that they were all sim racers and uh, Darren Cox since left um, Nissan and then went and started his own company up to do all the, the sim to get people from, you know, do the sim racing and can you put them in a car? Well, Jane Mandelbrot proved that he ended up in Japan racing very successfully. So um, the skill set does um, transverse across. Um, what you don't get is the smell of rubber, um, possibly the sweat that uh, you get in the car. But, um, yeah, uh, but the skill set of um, managing something does transverse. So these sim racers these days um, uh, uh, can get in these cars. And don't forget the... Don't forget, yes, mate. Yes, Snowy. On the way down to uh, Garage 11, which was the road car, I went out to find out what went on there for you. But on my way down, the number 902 Home Guard Motorsport Porsche GT3 Cup car 992 has uh, disappeared back into its box. It's got its lights on still, though, but apparently it's got no water oh. pressure. Um, but they are working on it. You can tell the level of activity is they're determined to get the car back in the race. There's a long way to go, but uh, just quick update for you guys. And I'm going to carry on down to Grove and see if I can find out. Well, if they were running it very early, uh, pre-1993 uh, Porsche, they wouldn't have had issues with water pressure because it was air-cooled. <laughs> exactly. Just going back to the the sim the sim racing yes. topic is uh, the other thing that you forgot to mention is okay, no sweat, no smell of the rubber burning. More importantly, no bill when you crash the car. Yeah, that's right. Because you just press reset and it's done. You go back into the pit lane and off you go again. Yeah. Uh, that's something that you learn when you climb the ranks. But uh, an incredible story from Jan Bardenbro, to be honest. Yes. Uh, the movie was fantastic. His biopic on his life. I uh, watched that earlier this year. I think it was the only movie I actually wanted to watch this year. Uh, an incredible story. And, of course, we're seeing it more and more uh, yeah, nowadays. You know, sim racing has become a lot more accessible. Well, you have people like Verstappen, Norris... Uh, um, Leclerc all jumping on doing sim races and 
uh, Max Verstappen was jumping out of his race car, his Formula One car, and uh, then he has a sim set up on his plane. Like we thought it was a joke. We thought it was a, a like a, a thing that, that like a, not a flying simulator on it. On it. And then we saw a photo of it, and he actually has a sim set up in his in his jet. How does he deal? How would we deal with turbulence and then oversteer at the same time? Possibly quite interestingly. <laughs> it would be, be a challenge. It would definitely be a challenge. As we look at the 909 car here, this is the Red Camel Jordan Stock NL car. The uh, car that's currently running 12th overall. The family of Downs currently behind the wheel. The race leader in 992, a lap ahead of their closest rival, Garabali, the QMMF by HRT at the moment. A decent sized gap between the two of them, but no doubt that will kind of close up a bit. As you know, it won't by the looks of it because the. Uh, uh, Famia Downs car that's uh, in front has actually done 19 pit stops compared to the QMF by HRT's 16. So they are three pit stops behind at the moment. So it looks like they've got quite a comfortable gap, does the, the 909 between their closest rival. Of course, we have to look a bit further back to see third overall in that class, which is the Stefan Pran um, car down in uh, 17th at the moment. That's the 908 car as Alex uh, Bukhanstov moves up now into 15th position. It puts him 12th. Uh, overall in GT3, fifth in AM category as well. It's not gone their way at all uh, so far. The LRS GT racing, a number of the actually the entire lineup of uh, uh, drivers in that car have actually done at least one round of Golf Radical Cup here. Uh, they they've worked really well together, and of course they've had fantastic battles on track. But of course today they've come together and just. Hasn't gone quite right for them so far, but of course, uh, with eight and a half hours remaining on the clock, still plenty of time to make it up. Oh, we have been waiting, and Johnny has been waiting for the answer. Please enlighten us. award down at the RBW six hour last weekend they had a bit of an ordinary weekend down there as well and uh, that is uh, that one done for the uh, Grove Racing so at the moment that is from the starting grid it's out at position one position two position four position eight and position ten well, we have a top 10 left. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you, because as soon as we got that update, the red pen came out immediately. And I was like, that's a little bit too far up the grid uh, for our liking up here. But uh, like you said, are we actually going to finish with the original top 10 as we started this race with? It's looking less and less likely. Well, what, what we're seeing, I mean, um, uh, we had it a couple of years ago when the Porsches started to use gearboxes. And we we're getting a lot of retirement with Porsche gearboxes. The Mercedes has, the AMG GT3 has been such a reliable workhorse. It's totally understressed motor. It just plows along all the time. But we've had two gearbox failures already. Um, so is there something going on? Are the cars getting pushed beyond the limit because just of the sheer pressure of such a large GT field? Um, we went on the entry list. 
uh, 55 cars. We had 23 of the GT3 um, cars and 20 of the 992 cars. That's a really fast grid, you know. When we're talking uh, three GTX, three GT4, two TCR and two um, TCX. So there's not everything out there. The majority of the field is really, really quick. And I think the pace of this race, taking away the code 60s, is actually start, starting to show some weaknesses of these cars. It certainly is, and that's what endurance is, right? It's it a is. test to see what these cars are like. And that's the whole point of motorsport as well. It's a test of what goes into a road car eventually at some point. So this is like, you know, this is it. This is the, the way to figure out what works, what doesn't work. Does it have the endurance to run for 24 hours straight without any issues? And, well, like you said, Phil, it's a very quick field, but we've already seen a number of uh, issues in various cars for various different ways. But having two gearbox failures yeah. so far for the AMG GTs uh, and the GT3 cars, excuse me. Now, does that put a little bit of worry for the remaining AMG GT3 cars out there, like Hard of uh, Racing by SPS? Are they going to start closely monitoring their gearbox a little bit more because by the looks of it, are they the sole AMG that's remaining? And they've been in the pits for 25 minutes. They have indeed. Oh, no, still, uh, yes, they have been 26 minutes in the pits at the moment for uh, that car. And uh, <laughs> we used to have a lot of uh, Mercedes up in the top 10. And uh, that is really unusual. Audi, Porsche, Audi, BMW, our top far four at the moment. Christopher Haas clicking over 385 laps, around about a lap clear of the uh, Proton Huber competition Porsche. Victor Shata at the wheel of that one. And that is Dylan Pereira, multiple champion here in the Pereira uh, Cup Middle East. And also helping a few drivers down at uh, Yes Marina this weekend with a bit of bit of coaching after winning the, also the uh, Porsche started out in Bahrain and then moved over and uh, followed the uh, local series route, which is also um, uh, having, I had a race here last weekend, yes, next weekend, oh, this weekend as well. So busy times for motorsport in this region, Chris, and uh, just uh, I don't think I've ever seen a busier February. No, a, a busy February, we mean busy January, January and February, oh, because it's literally back to back. Every weekend we're doing something somewhere. You know, yeah. like you said, we've got Carrera Cup in uh, Yas Marina. We have the 24 hours here. We had the six hours last week in Abu Dhabi. Then we had Porsche, uh, sorry, Carrera Cup here. Uh, I think it was only Christmas and New Year we actually had off. And now we're just pretty much full on to some point in November. You know, I actually thought I had a, a break next week. But no, no. Asia Le Mans is in town uh, for another running around the Autodrome and the Aspirina circuit here. And I was having a quick look because what we were talking about, the AMGs. Now, there are, I think, if I'm not mistaken, there's four in total. And by the looks of it, all four have had some sort of issue because yes. Grove Racing, out. Um, the Dominic Bauman gets speed car, out. CP Motorsport, transmission issue. Yeah. And now we have uh, Daniel Monticelli in the heart of racing by SPS, Mercedes AMG car with possible issues because, as you said, that is a lengthy time to be in the pit lane. We're fast approaching about half an hour that car's been in the pit lane. Exactly. You think it could be another transmission issue? Or could, it, could it be something else? We might get somebody to head down to see what's going on with the 27 car from Heart of Racing SPS. 
Uh, that is a very long stop indeed. Now, the other manufacturer that's a bit, a bit of difficulties here this weekend, I've noticed, as well as the 296s, the Ferraris, they've not had the, uh, the best uh, race weekend, have they? No, indeed, the Dragon Racing, we had Stewie Hall up here. Um, we're absolutely gutted um, with the, the issue with their car. And then the, the other um, one, which was... I'll go down to my list, the Racing One car. Now, remember, that's the one that the door... They couldn't open the door and they had to jemmy the door off with the jemmy bar because the driver couldn't get out. And they put the black door on that. Then we saw it have a, an incident down at turn one and uh, ev eventually it um, just cried enough. Um, but um, you've got to remember when that 296, when it came out, the first big endurance race that it did was the 24-hour of Nürburgring and it won it. So, uh, you know, uh, it's been a reliable car. Now, the Dragon team will be... They've got two of those cars. One of them will be um, at the Asian Le Mans Series here at the Autodrome next weekend. Um, do we have supports with um, uh, F4 UAE here next weekend? They should be up for their next round. They've got this weekend off. Literally for F4 and a, um, a Formula Regional a, um, uh, Middle East. That's also another pretty intense calendar. Five weeks of racing, I think, with only about a week break. Yes. Now, I've also noticed there's another car that's been in the pit lane for quite some time. That is the 902, currently shown as 32nd at the moment. Magnus Holmgaard behind the wheel of that car. Now, that is dropping down the order. They've been in the pit lane for 17 minutes. Now, they've had, they've had a lot of issues um, on that one. I think that's the one. Uh, the 902, Holmgaard Motorsport. Just have a look at that. They've got a couple of Aussies in there, Grant Donaldson, the Darren Curry. Um, and that has been in for a while. This is where the gremlins start to, to, to kick in. As, of course, we fast approach uh, eight hours remaining on the clock. This is what you said, Phil. This is when gremlins will start to creep up on you, and this is when the cars... Uh, getting fatigued themselves not just the drivers of course because of course we're running non-stop for 24 hours the cars only get turned off once in a while yes uh, they they run pretty much solid even through the code 60s it's not exactly like they get a break yes they're not running at speed so of course the entire engine is not used to its maximum but uh, it still does take a toll on these cars most definitely does and I'm just keeping an eye on the, the uh, GT4 battle. That's still their, their, their 33rd and 34th as the AGMC um, racing team by Simpson Motorsport in the fuel zone at the moment. Um, and uh, Andre uh, Solokustev in the Continental Racing by TTR um, just uh, around about... Well, they came, is it one hour, 21 minutes into his stint? So they've swapped positions again. Um, that one's going to go down to the end of the race, I think. It's a great battling going on there. We saw it down at Yas with the GT4 cars. Um, the BMW GT4 is the heaviest car in the field, though. Just over 1,460 kilos. Um, and that Supra is about 100 kilos lighter than it uh, on screen at the moment, the 496. Just getting a bit squirrely under brakes. Down to uh, Snowy in the pit lane. What do you got for us, mate? Yeah, Phil, I've just uh, got Owen Hizzy, who just jumped out of the 278 uh, CWS Janetta. Uh, Owen, not uh, your, your first 24-hour race, but uh, 
baptism of fire, not without its issues, broken roll bars, broken power steering, uh, throwing everything at you, but you're still in it. Yeah, exactly. Um, we had a lot of uh, lot of issues. Um, my first stint this evening um, ended um, with a drive shaft that fails going through turn five, which is not what you what you want at all. Um, so ended up with that. But all of these setbacks, we are still got good pace out there. And as you know, it's a 24-hour race. There's still 10 bit hours left. I can't remember how much. Um, just over halfway. Just just over halfway. Exactly. There's a long way to go. So I'm still confident in the team and all the other drivers that we can do, still do it. Of course, you had a great result with this team at Abu Dhabi last week, and this is your, your first taste of a 24-hour. How, how are you finding it? I'm finding it really well, actually. Um, I've, I've taken to it a lot better than I thought. Um, a lot of practice as well on simulators at home and um, doing a lot of night, night practice and everything like that and getting into a good sleeping pattern as well to make sure that when I'm in the car, I'm on top form. It's a whole different mindset with a race this long, isn't it? As you say, it's not just about driving the car, it's all of a sudden it's sleep patterns and eating and hydration. It's totally different, isn't it? Exactly. And, and to be honest, that's the things that I love about it as well. It's more of a team effort, and um, which is why I think endurance racing and 24-hour races are pretty much the best form of racing in most sport. So has Colin signed you up some of the European 24-hour races yet, like Barcelona? Um, not quite yet, um, but we'll just have to wait and see. I've got a few things in the pipeline, so we're just going to have to just wait and sit tight and see. I like how you smiled and said not quite. Exactly. I haven't spoken to him yet, but we'll have to see what um, he says after the weekend. Brent Owen, thank you very much. Enjoy the rest of the 24 hour. Say a long way to go. Thank you, Snowy. Thank you, Owen. Owen Hissy um, was at the wheel when that car came in with uh, the roll bar and the, uh, the belt issue and got back out, doing a great job. He was sweating. Still 20 degrees out there. Now, we've been, last night, or the night before, got down into the teens. There's still that much sand in the atmosphere, keeping the temperature up a little bit. Humidity's down, or humidity's up a bit, 73%. Uh, so, you know, cars don't make power when they're trying to ingest water. Uh, so it's... Um, trying times out there everybody's starting to get tired this is where mistakes happen this last few hours what time have we got we've got around about two hours and 20 minutes until we have official sunrise about about half an hour before that we'll start to get the glow um and that's where everything changes but it's this last little sector of day of night time where people just start to you know the concentration may may fade um it's just and we've got still a, a large number of cars out on the circuit. I think we've probably still got around 45 cars running. Keanu Alazari, I saw you have a chat with him earlier on. Um, the youngest driver ever to drive in the Dubai 24 hours, just 16 years old. It's incredible to think what he's doing at 16 years old. He's a semi-pro. He doesn't even have a driving license here. And here he is racing the 24-hour, doing F4 and everything like this. It's incredible. races last weekend in F4 as well. Unbelievable stuff. Groom Alazari, his father, multiple champion around here in the GT Series, ran also um, uh, in the uh, in uh, the uh, Porsche Cup Middle East um, here. So uh, even drove a 2886 once, I believe, or a couple of times. But um, a very proud dad, and I've got to hand it. I mean, I remember commentating at Keanu when he first started karting, uh, and uh, seeing it where he has come from now. Um, I think 
Dad's looking at Europe at the moment to see where he can go. It's an incredible story from him as well. He's he's moulded himself perfectly as well. Every year he just seems to get quicker and quicker. Yeah, and true. It's such a busy schedule for him as well. I don't know how he found time to get this seat. And it, it does seem like it was a last-minute thing yes. for them, right? Because if you look yesterday when you were walking around the paddock area, the signboard didn't have his name on it at all. And I, when I came down the track this morning, well, there it was. It just <laughs> appeared overnight. Uh, there is some other good news as well. Darren Turner is on track in the 27, and that means the heart of racing by SPS. Mercedes AMG is back out Ooh. after a very lengthy time in the pit lane. Now, hopefully for them, they can continue running like this because technically, well, we don't know what the whole issue with that car is because we haven't heard of an issue with them. So currently, I think that they're probably the only Mercedes that we know of that hasn't had an issue as yeah. such. But of course, being in the pit lane for 30 minutes, that means there was something that needed to be sorted out on the car. It wasn't just a routine fuel no. or pit stop. Even doing a brake a break change is um, not... Uh, does never take that long. Had a great chat with Darren on a Thursday. Uh, but, well, you know, Darren Turner, he's an Aston Martin driver, so we had to get a little bit of uh, special permission to uh, come here and race in the Mercedes, although they do share a common engine. <laughs> but I um, uh, had a great chat with him. Um, and he's got some fantastic racing boots. And uh, uh, when the t if we can get him in the daylight and we'll have a look at his boots, um, they were designed, his racing boot design is by his children. And they drew on his boots and they had made into the boots, have to be fireproof, of course. And uh, he's going to have to recommission them because he says, these are old and getting really stinky now. And uh, he said, OK, um, he's going to have to recommission his artists, which are his two kids, to redo another set of boots for him. Because as he said to us, he said, um, he, he, advice from one of his mentors said, and I think it was Huffy actually, said, don't stop driving. Don't stop driving. It's the easiest job at the, at the track. Don't be a pit crew. Don't be a team manager. That's the worst job. Just keep driving. Would you agree with that statement that the easiest job here to do is driving the car around the track? I would, I, I would hasten to add that um, probably 153 drivers sitting downstairs would say no. <laughs> That's what I thought. However, if they've ever been a team manager, they'd probably say yes. Or pit crew. Yes, Snowy. Uh, just on your note there, I think it was actually Darren Turner was the yeah. quote, was actually. Uh, but it was... Um, uh, having addition to what you said, uh, having been a team manager and tried it for one year, I went back to driving. That's exactly all I'm gonna right, say. my friend. Exactly right. <laughs> yes. Uh, unbelievable stuff. 96 in from seventh position, third in the pro-am. Dustin Blattner at the wheel of that one. He'll head down to the fuel station shortly. Fresh set of tyres. I look like he stayed in the car. Actually, I didn't see a driver change happen there. We'll keep an eye on that one as uh, they head down into the fuel stop. The second car as well, Victor Shater, in the Proton Human competition um, in the fuel station as well. Around about three laps behind the race leader at the moment, Christopher Haas at the wheel. Just on an hour into his stint, the Eastland Racing Team Audi. And, of course, looking for Audi's fourth overall victory. It's incredible to think they've done 24 pit stops compared to uh, Victor Schaller's car. That's done 19. There's five pit stops between them, and they're this far ahead. I think what they have done, and 
so he may, after he's been a team manager, of course, I've never been a team manager, he may correct me. But what I think they've done is that they've actually had a little bit of a play under the code 60s and done some multiple drive-throughs and kept topping the car up because then they went green and I reckon they've done one double stint on tyres. And that may have just allowed them to creep out there and do a full go. You know, um, they can't run two hours on fuel, but they may have got had a shorter pit stop um, just by going into the fuel bay. Um, I would, but yeah, that I mean, average of four minutes a pit stop. That's five. That's twenty minutes in the pits, which is mighty impressive when you think about it. There not 20 minutes ahead of the rest of the field but all that time that they somehow found to yes. get back because essentially they should be 20 minutes behind That's the 83 true. car but they're not they're two laps ahead uh, sorry they're three laps ahead of now Sergei Borisov who's behind the wheel of now the uh, Proton Huber competition car well now that goes the way of Dylan Piera who now makes his way to the pit lane definite driver change for Dylan Piera because he's been behind the wheel for well over an hour yep so who will it be that will get behind the wheel? We'll find that out once they make their way out of the car. I think some more drivers also owe us a couple of pit stops here as well for a driver change. Uh, Felix Nahafa of the Nahafa Rensports Porsche will have to come in. That's the car that's currently 24th overall. Uh, the HRT performance of Jamie Day, another one of those uh, young and upcoming talents right here from He's the so region. These days. He's, I, I do vaguely remember him from a couple of years ago. I don't remember him being that tall. No. When he was doing F4, when I was stewarding F4, he was no near, nowhere near that tall. <laughs> he owes us a pit stop as well at some point, currently in 22nd. He's had an hour and 45 minutes behind the wheel of that car. I think those are the two that have been behind the wheel for the longest. We do have uh, Andre Sulukstev in the Continental Racing by TTR Toyota GR Supra that's been behind the wheel of an hour and 32 minutes as well. So we might see that uh, 496 car come in. Now, interesting enough, the car that we're doing battle with is now being driven by Fabien Defio, who is now down in 35th position, and they've actually lost two places or two car lengths between them. Well, not two car lengths, actually, but it's basically there's two cars now in between that battle for GT4 top honours before the end of the race here. Now, that really does put the BMW M4 in a deficit at the moment. Of course, AGMC, uh, the local importer and official OEM of the BMW. Just behind of course, us. and it's great to see them jumping on board. I did notice Alpha Tame motor stickers as well on Toyotas, on the Toyota GR Supra, so it's great to see backing from the official importers of the cars. It is great to see them have some representation as well. Uh, BMW had a fantastic uh, um, lounge area set up. I don't know if you had a chance to see that, uh, Phil, while you were down in the paddock area. No, I didn't see anything while I was in the paddock area. Well, there was the, too many people around. That was true. The, the grid walk was oh. insanely packed. There was about 100 people at one stage, and then all of a sudden there's about 1,000. Yes, just, exactly. They, they just all come in, and I think that's a, a really nice thing that Creventic does. So right? many families here. Yeah, um, I, I'm walking through the tunnel at midnight, and the tunnel is packed full of families. They've been over at the Apex Garden. They've been you know, enjoying the atmosphere here. As the race leader is now in the pit lane, car number 54. Driver change here for Christopher Haas, who will get out of the car. Now, Phil, are you eagerly, eagerly enough to spot who that was that got in? 
I didn't quite catch the belt buckle on that driver. I'm not sure if it's Markle's Winklehot. No, that doesn't look like his helmet. So we'll get confirmation when they make their way out of the pit lane. Now this makes their total 25 pit stops. <laughs> Dylan Pierre has done 22. Um, Dylan Pierre is definitely doing a driver change as well. Yeah, he's um, uh, 56 around about... He had done 28 laps in that stint and uh, 56 minutes, just under 57 minutes on that stint. A little bit shorter than the one previously, but um, that may be a, a little bit of strategy on that one. Uh, down in the fuel zone at the moment, that uh, should click over. We didn't see if Dylan got in or out of the car, but um, he was well under... He could have done a double stint, but maybe they're just holding him back until the sun comes up because he didn't start uh, He didn't start the race. He was about the third driver into the car, um, but well after the race had got, got into the third hour. So interesting to see if he does get behind the wheel of that car now. Uh, same with the class, uh, the overall leader, number 54. As we look at the Bentley, I, I love this car so much. It's such a mammoth on track, and like you said, it shakes the grandstand as it roars by. What I really like about the car is the LEDs that they put on the front of it. The green LED. It, it really fits in with a lot of car manufacturers nowadays that put these massive LEDs on the front, but it's, just, it's such an easy spot out there, especially when you're in the Apex Garden, the new viewing area that they built down through the bowl complex as well. It, it's a fantastic sight, and it just it looks so epic when you see it on track as they are currently working their way now down the back straightaway. Joe Wheeler currently behind that car at the moment in 11th overall for Team Parker Racing. Uh, fourth overall in Pro-Am. Uh, Ricardo Fellows got back behind the wheel of the 99. We spoke to him uh, not too long yeah. ago. He's one of the very rapid drivers behind the wheel of the 99. But they're coming to think of it, I think that all of their drivers are pretty fast uh, when you look at who's in that exactly. car. Uh, we're still waiting for confirmation who's behind the wheel of the Christopher Haas now driven 54 car. He, of course, got out, but we'll see who comes and who is now uh, behind the wheel of that car. Now, is there anyone else? Yes, Hilal Mazuri has come in for a wrap done by Fulgenzi. Uh, they are currently in... Just lost them on the time screens here. 23rd overall. Lecce just come in right in front of us. And there is a driver ready to get behind the wheel. It's not Christopher Zeuchling, as I can tell from his helmet. Now, I wonder if that's safe Alamary, because when I spoke to him earlier today, he really likes to drive during the nights. And I really? I think that's quite interesting because it it's probably one of the, the trickiest uh, times to drive because, obviously, this year we do have a lot of lights all over the track, right? We've, we've lit it up. We're fully lit. But it's still quite dark out there. Yes. And driving at night is difficult it is enough as it is when you're on the road. I can't imagine having 55 other cars going the same speed you are. All with the high, high beam on and floodlights. Exactly. I mean, well, high beams is a usual thing. We see that on the road every day, well, don't that we? That's a paranormal. But, of course, it, it's quite interesting to hear that that's what he was looking forward to. But also speaking to a couple of other drivers, Keanu Elizari said he really enjoyed driving here at night. And, of course, they don't get that experience when they race in F4. Yes, when they're racing Aston Marina Circuit, they're racing under the lights. But when it comes it's to like lower light, though, you can see everything. Exactly. And it's not like uh, when you come here where we do have the lights, but the conditions are a lot lower. So there's more of a challenge, you know, it makes things a bit more interesting. And, of course, when they travel around the world, eventually when they uh, work their way up through the ranks of, uh, obviously, the 24 hours, our series here with Creventic and all the incredible races that are held throughout the year. They'll obviously go off and do things like Le Mans uh, and it's current Super Cup uh, around the world and many other uh, big series. Of course, this adds to their portfolio. They can they can come in and Most say, look, yeah. I've got the skills. You know, I can race in the middle of the night with all the lights turned off. I know what I'm doing. Br 
Yeah, to- totally. And uh, the, these type of races, where else, how many other 24 races can you enter as an amateur? You know, as a young kid coming up, you can't do Daytona. You can't do a lot of the, the, the races. You can't do, you need a special licence to do the Nürburgring. Preventic Racing get, provides that opportunity for people to do that. You can do it at any of their 24 hour races at Barcelona and, you know, um, all, all of the, uh, the things. So, and racing at night. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a great skill set to have because it can, can open doors. As we see now that the driver behind the 54, Samarika, in the excellent racing team Audi is now behind the wheel and in control of the race leading car by now what is one lap but they still have 25 pit stops completed and 19 to the car that's currently in second which is the Bruton Huber uh, competition Porsche Sergei Borisov behind the wheel. Lewis Plato moves up into third position overall in the Century Motorsport BMW uh, currently leading Pro-Am as well uh, just ahead of his rival the uh, Cosme Papi driven number 95 that's a little bit further down the road. Attempted Racing's Ricardo Fella drops down to fourth, and that is the 929 that we're currently looking at. That's the car that's placed 22nd overall. Jamie Day, well, we knew the HRT performance driver had to come in sooner because yes. he was uh, fast approaching that time bracket, wasn't he? It was getting out there, and uh, there are severe penalties if you exceed your driver time. So uh, it's not something that you want to do. And just talking about penalties, let's see what... Uh, oh, there we go. The 936 getting overtaking another car outside of the track. No, can't do that. That's a 10-second penalty. Uh, six of it, uh, track limits for the 83. Um, that one is uh, 10 seconds. And also for the 31, getting the 12th offence. Now, something that's new for Creventic this year, um, with the rule changes, obviously you cannot serve penalties under code 60. Um, they used to be able to do that, but the penalty time doubled. Uh, well, now you just can't, okay? But um, you still have the two-hour window that you must serve your penalty in. And if you haven't done that, uh, if you're c- coming into the pits to do a service and it's code 60, you can't serve the penalty. It switches from two hours to the next time you enter the pits, okay? So it, makes, it keeps it fair for everybody um, to do the penalties. But the uh, one, if they can't, they have a vehicle that repeatedly offends track limits, they can get, like, give them a drive-through. Now, that is, you know, that, that's something that uh, when we talk to the race directors, it, it, um, we had, you know, the uh, race director in um, uh, Kuwait, and they said it's uh, exceptional circumstances, but we had to put a caveat on we will only allow so much. You know, they have to reel it in as these cars get faster. You know, when we have the drivers, uh, the team managers meeting, they have pictures of the piece of curb and they park a car. They go, this is legal. This is illegal. There is no grey area. <laughs> like, so the curbs here on the corners, on the exit of the corners, you can you can uh, have the wheel on the, the red and white part. Uh, that's fine. You can be over the white line um, on, the, on the corners, but you can't have... Um, you can't have all four wheels on the solid red part on the inside. So the red and white bits, you can have a wheel on that, you're okay. But as soon as you go onto all four wheels onto the red, you're outside of track limits. Now, you said that the drivers will be told this in the driver's briefing. Now, you as a driver, would you do, do you abide by the rules as well? Or do you think that um, maybe you could be a bit cheeky here or there to see how far you could push the limits? Okay, so with Creventic Racing, you get um, your first three are, um, track limits are a warning. The next three is a time penalty. So you get three chances. 
look, a lot of the time, and, and when they have the discussion with the marshals and the judges of fact, they go, look, some guy's a car, car's going to run off because he gets pushed off or he's out of control. That's not a track limits offence. Track limits are really when a car gains an advantage. And that's how, how that should play out, is that, you know, you shortcut a corner, etc., etc. Um, you should get penalised for that. So it also becomes a, an education process for our judges of fact and our corner marshal. And given that we've got CCTV cameras at both, yes, and here, um, that we see a lot of penalties get rescinded. Okay, cancelled because they've looked at him in race control and gone, oh no, he was okay there, and they cancel the penalty. Okay, so it's very, very clever. You can never escape the watchful eye of no. race control and the stewards. <laughs> we just saw a fantastic battle there with what was four Porsches trying to go into one corner. They ended up being five Porsches going into one corner. A great battle. We did join the onboard footage of that as they work their way now through turn one. And I think, uh, Phil, I think we've got some highlights with eight hours well, to go. we've got some standings, and let's have a look at how everything has been playing out with eight hours to go. 16 in the books, and that... And the Isolata Racing Team, the 54, leading the way and has done for a good now half of this race. In second position is the 83 Proton Human um, competition car. In third, the 22 from Century Motorsport. These are all running in the GT3 um, uh, category, except for the Century in leading the Pro-Ams. Then the Attempto Racing 99 in fourth position. Manamari uh, Energy by Evi Motors. Um, with the Italian driver lineup in fifth position. Six is Century Motorsport in the 14. Sean Galel at the wheel at the moment. The Santalock Junior team um, with only three drivers, but all the Merafinas in seventh position in the 26 car, um, running in the GT3M category. And, and uh, second in that, Century Motorsport leading that. Uh, car collection, number 96 in eighth position. In ninth position, it's Hass RT um, with uh, Mika Panu. And uh, I'd be interested, can you find out any information about Mika Panu? We've Googled him, we can't find out anything about him at all. Uh, oh, we'll leave that one until after this one. Uh, Huber Racing uh, Motorsport in 10th position in the 50 car, 11th, the 31 team Parker Racing. Haven't seen much of them, Joe Wheeler at the Rob Huff in that that Bentley Continental GT3 um, doing it very well indeed, almost into the top ten. Red Camel um, uh, Jordan's dot NL in nine nine two in twelfth position, thirteenth the uh, Qataris uh, the QMMF by HRT Ganamal Ali at the wheel at the moment, um, running in the nine nine two AM category. And then 14th position is the uh, number 17, MRS GT Racing. 15th is uh, the 907, RPM Racing. And in 16th position, the 962, Fuck Auto Tech. In the 795, uh, Toro Vordi in uh, the uh, G56 Cup, leading the way in GTX. 908, Sebla Jew Racing by Duo Racing. Um, then in the 992M category in 18th position. 19th is K Karima Racing, 936. Um, with Dan, uh, Christopher Bruak at the wheel at the moment. The second of the GTX cars in 20th position, the 714 more than racing, racing the Qatari, uh, uh, sorry, the Kuwaiti driver, Hathen Parajuli at the wheel at the moment. In car 20, uh, in 21st position, the 903 Redant Racing. Um, 
running in the 992 category. HRT performance in the 992M category with Jamie Day at the wheel, 22nd. New offer Red Sport by MRS GT, 23rd in the 988. The 971 wrapped down by Fulgenzi, the local team here in 24th position. 25th, NKPP Racing by Baz Coton Racing. Um, in 25th position. 26th is the heart of racing um, by SBS, the number 27 car. 901 in 27th position, Pro Sport Racing. Um, in 28th, SMP Racing in the 937. 925 um, in 29th position. That's the Captain America by, by Bascoat and Racing. It's probably got my car of the, uh, uh, the way that that car looks with its paint job. It's pretty special. I do enjoy that one. In 30th position, it's a... Uh, the 701 Vortex running um, third in the GTX category. Then it's the Fuck Auto Tech 992 Amcar, the 961 in 31st. And then the Continental Racing by TTR running in 34th position, currently um, leading the GT4 category from the night. Um, uh, uh, sorry, uh, with the. Th- 33rd uh, car on track at the 930 HRT performance 992 AM and then we have the second position in the GT4 the 438 AGMC racing by Team Simpson Motorsport uh, the, the get speed number nine, well, well, that's had its issues. In 35th, 902 Holmgard Motorsport also with a lot of issues. Still both those cars in the pit. Simpson Motorsport, TCE uh, leader in uh, and, and leading TCR as well, 37th, uh, the 138. The CP Racing with their gearbox issues um, back down the field in 38th position, 227. Um, the one of the uh, the 718 Cayman has been staying out of trouble in 39th position, and the 278 in 40th uh, issued a um, few issues for the 278. Then uh, we have the 41 in currently in the pits. Uh, sorry, the 48 currently in the pits. So the Celestine by Cox Racing GD3 Am car. Then the 277 also had issues with that, but back out on the track. And then the 226 Lotus currently in the pits in 43 third position. And then the uh, second of our uh, TCR cars um, in the pits at four, in 44th. Mueller Motorsport a 921 back out on the possibly not sure on that one. Uh, uh, that's Keanu Alzari. Yes, he is. Uh, he's still uh, rotating around there, but uh, a long way behind at the moment after their issues. The 989 in 46th position, MRS GT Racing, and then the Century Motorsport 429 after that impact with the wall at Turn 7 retirement from then and the number 6, uh, the... Uh, uh, 296 GT3 um, McLaren, uh, uh, sorry um, Ferrari out already then it was um, Axel Jeffries who got out of the uh, 76 uh, 720 uh, S McLaren uh, retirement for that one the 91 Herbeth um, retired quite a while ago as did the 88 uh, from Dragon Racing um, with uh, the issues uh, that uh, they had um, then Grove Racing we heard from uh, Snowy about uh, what happened with them. The Centerlock Junior team, our pole sitters as well, lap 88. Um, they had their power steering, uh, steering fail again. The 927 didn't uh, uh, was out early as well, and uh, then no start from the Leapit Motorsport team, and that's how they stand with seven hours and 53 minutes to go.
We've still got a way to go, Chris. It's um, sort of... Uh, do you think anybody has the answer 